106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Last Thursday, the United States stepped on a cockroach. And within minutes, the progressive left were predictably demanding that we apologize to the greater cockroach community for it. So now here's a thought. No, you gutless waste of space pansies. Ah, Twitter. That wonderful website in which celebrities, typically known for throwing a ball or taking their clothes off, suddenly become experts in foreign policy and geopolitics overnight. Upon hearing the news that an American airstrike took out top Iranian commander Qasem Soleimani last Thursday, the left's terrorism apologists came out of the woodwork to beg Iran for mercy for killing their head oppressor-in-chief. Actress Rose McGowan tweeted her apologies to Iran on behalf of the United States, begging them, please, don't kill us. Colin Kaepernick took a break from being unemployed to get super woke and accuse America of racism, tweeting, America has always sanctioned and besieged black and brown bodies, both at home and abroad. American militarism is the weapon wielded by American imperialism to enforce its policing and plundering of the non-white world. Director Michael Moore posted on Instagram that he had actually messaged the Ayatollah of Iran, personally begging him for mercy saying, I have just sent the Ayatollah of Iran a personal appeal asking him not to respond to our assassination of his top general with violence of any kind, but rather let me and millions of Americans fix this peacefully. I recorded and DM'd him a message on my podcast, Rumble, when the Ayatollah responds, I'll post his reply. I would like to ask you, as much as you have the right to, as much as I understand why you want to and are going to, I would like to ask you, the leadership, of the country of Iran to not respond with violence against the United States for what the United States has done to you this week. This is honestly what y'all have denigrated yourselves to? Really? How's that asphalt taste? Listen up, you sniveling, terrorist-hugging, America-hating, piss-in-your-pants cowards. Apologize for yourselves all you want. Bend over backwards to kiss the sandals of a dictatorial regime and their dirtbag terrorist hall monitor who we just blew sky high. Beg for forgiveness and mercy from one of the world's most oppressive, anti-freedom, women-hating regimes on the planet Earth. And while you're at it, feel free to book a one-way ticket to Tehran, assuming you possess the intellectual bandwidth to find it on a map. Maybe once you get there, ask for some complimentary tickets to the next gay rooftop skydiving party. I hear it's a riot. Go ahead and prove yourself to have the spinal fortitude of a wet spaghetti noodle. Be my guest. I get that to you, bravery means prancing around in a pink hat with a picket sign in a country that already guarantees freedom of speech and anything that requires actual risk or sacrifice is to be avoided like the plague. So go ahead, please. But you don't apologize for me. You don't get to beg for forgiveness for those of us who still believe in not kowtowing to terrorists who don't accept that hostile nations get to assault our embassy and kill our contractors and murder our soldiers and blast our drones out of the sky and we're just going to cower in terror. So y'all go right ahead and hide under your Louis Vuitton couch in your Beverly Hills mansion clutching your keyboard and prove yourselves the most pathetic excuse for an American this side of the revolution.
All right. Thank you for listening today. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to the 41st No Hostages Radio podcast. And uh, we are on January 11th, 2020. And I hope anybody out there that has run into this bug that I had is getting rid of it. Seemed like everybody I know is sick out here in California. So I hope you out there in these other states, maybe it stops at the border. So people listen to this uh, podcast that have contact with me throughout the uh, month or weeks uh, have been commenting about I didn't sound so good. And I knew that I probably shouldn't even have done the podcast here a couple of times ago, but it's taken a few weeks to get over this thing. Uh, so thank you for listening. <clears throat> However you got to us, if you're is if this is your first time, you may have found us on your podcast resource at No Hostages Radio, or you could have gone to our website at nohostagesradio.com where <clears throat> all of our podcasts are listed from 1 to 41, and also articles that I've written for the Territorial Dispatch. So if you're a Californian, uh, most of my articles have to do with the state, although some have to do with federal things, federal government, uh, corruption, federal government, abuse, uh, taking away our rights, <clears throat> running roughshod over our our personal rights as Americans. So uh, you can check those out if you like. <clears throat> I have some friends that used to live here but now <clears throat> live in Missouri that pass those articles around, and some people like them. I don't know. I'm just getting used to writing. I'm written, I don't know, hundreds now for this Territorial Dispatch. It's a weekly paper here in Northern California, kind of given the conservative point of view. <clears throat> so if that emboldens you to stand up and write a letter to the editor, call your representative, <clears throat> somebody needs to do something or we're going to lose all the good things about this nation that our founding fathers planted the seeds for. So uh, <clears throat> if you want to reach me, you can email me at Lou, L-O-U, at no hostages radio. Dot com Lou at no hostages radio dot com or you could uh, text me or phone me at five three zero seven one three one eight three eight five three zero seven one three one eight three eight I used to say that <clears throat> gas out here in California was a dollar higher I think it's up to a dollar and a half higher than what I'm seeing around the country now they're finally uh, noticing in the media saying that boldly that not only is Gavin Newsom the governor here. Uh, not only is he trying to shut down uh, the fossil fuel industry, the oil industry, but he's also trying to shut down the ag industry, which I just find fascinating. I guess we're just going to have to import all our food into California, which used to be the breadbasket of the world. And uh, every day there's just something new that's coming up. I just saw – in fact, I'm going to play a long clip, longer than I normally play today, that's a – summary of some of the new laws in California. Some of you that are in Washington, Oregon, <clears throat> Texas, Nevada, 
you think, oh, yeah, that's these crazy people in California. But if if it actually sticks here and doesn't get reversed, it's coming your way, whether it's the gun laws. And now we're we're going on to rationing. And I was just listening to some people. I don't really know how much water it takes to. uh, I didn't up until I listened to this. I was listening to this clip the other day. I think it's on this clip I'm going to play you later. Uh, they were talking about how much water a person uses a day. And uh, if you if you do, a, they thought a, a load of clothes in a, in a clothes washer costs or uses about 40 gallons of water. I didn't know that. And, uh, and they thought about an eight-minute shower, you might go through maybe 15 gallons of water. So that puts you above or equal to the amount per day you're allotted in the state of California. And if you, I don't know how they're going to monitor this, whether they're going to monitor it at the end of the month and average it out, but they're going to penalize this monetarily. So if, whether it's utilities like gas and electric, oh, by the way, they're, they're trying to shut down the natural gas industry, which is just amazing to me. In California. So uh, now they're going to enforce this 55 gallon per day per person limit. <clears throat> so if you want to shower and wash your clothes in the same day, uh, that's a problem here. They're going to then reduce it, I think, another two or three gallons per day here in another year or two. So um, incredible, just incredible. Um but we're all watching the same uh, kind of tendencies around the country where they're taking away our gun rights here in California. And I was just talking to a, uh, a gun owner and a gun user, a hunter, and we were talking about traveling into Nevada to buy your ammo because you can't buy ammo here. They, there's so many restrictions that they keep rejecting. I think they rejected 30 or 60,000. 60,000, over 60,000, I think I said last week, uh, applications to buy ammo. You go in, you fill out an application to run your background check right there. And if your name's spelled differently or if they haven't updated the records or if you're not listed as owning a gun of that caliber, maybe you're going to buy some gun, you're going to buy some shells and then go target practice and borrow your friend's gun. That's not permitted here. So what's happening is they're just squeezing everybody out of using their weapons. And then they they say when people complain about not being able to buy ammo, ammunition, uh, you're just being impatient. And uh, it's interesting. I was listening to um, Chris Ann Hall, who is an expert on the Constitution. I was also listening to... Um, Uh, let's see, Jake McCauley, who is saying that the the Bill of Rights did not give us rights. They just simply stated that the government had no rights to take, had no authority to take those rights away. In other words, God-given rights do not need a government to bless them or to say, oh, yeah, you get that right. But the Bill of Rights was put into into play to say the government shall not infringe upon these rights, right? And it wasn't like the government is ever in the position of giving you rights. Those are God-given prior to government. Now, if you don't believe in God 
then I feel sorry for you. Uh, But I understand because at one time I didn't know anything about God either. I'm just saying I feel sorry for you because it's really confusing. It just seems like we create a government and then the government tells us everything we can do and can't do. That's called communism, by the way. And because we don't teach the difference philosophically between communism, socialism, and freedom, and free enterprise and capitalism, people uh, all of a sudden are thinking that communism is okay, and it's no big deal. Where our founding fathers actually came across an intellectual breakthrough and thinking, you know something, Uh, we have natural rights that come from God, and God forbid the fact that government would try to take them away. That's why we have Second Amendment rights to um, shoot the government. That's, That's what they're there for, to use armed conflict. And when I use the term militia, it is not referring to the military or the police. It's referring to average people living up and down 11th Street and 8th Street and Sicard Street and, and Ramirez Road that actually own weapons. They're just individuals that own weapons, and that if they need to, they can tell the government where to shove it. So we're all watching Virginia right now, where over 90% of the counties in Virginia have cl- declared themselves sanctuary counties because the liberal <clears throat> legislature— and the liberal governor has proclaimed that they're coming after their weapons and they're going to what they do is they they make it bureaucratically impossible to keep a weapon because you have to register it then you can't buy ammo for it and then you you got to go get permits to have a concealed one all that stuff is completely against the constitution Complete violation, 100%. There's nothing right about it. And I just saw where Gavin Newsom, the governor, made a statement that guns were the big problem with with all our violence and all that stuff. I thought, you know something? The problem is you. The problem is liberal legislators are socialists. That's that's what the problem is. So uh, now I want to talk about a fellow that keeps coming up. And um, I talk about every year, at least once a year, and his name's Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk uh, built his reputation on one lie after another. You ever met anybody like that? They're just a liar. So the problem with the liar is they got to keep covering for themselves. They can't. They got to remember what what they said last time. If you if you tell the truth all the time, you never have to remember what you said. You just always tell the truth. But Harvey Milk, they made of Hollywood, of course, uh, always endorses whatever the philosophy is of the day, even if it's a total fraud, like global warming or climate change, whatever you want to call it. So they endorsed and gave awards to Al Gore over the inconvenient truth. And the fact is, uh, it was not only inconvenient, it wasn't the truth. And... But but they gave him Academy Awards. They gave him all kinds of stuff. And so they they propagate lies. So it's interesting. They're the big propagators of, of global warming and all that kind of stuff. And and that at the uh, recent global um, Golden Globe Awards, 
kind of like the Oscars, I guess. I'm not a, I'm not an expert on the movie industry. I I like movies, but uh, I'm usually too busy to get around to watch many. Uh, so they they were honoring various people at the Golden Globe Award, and uh, I I watched uh, some commentary about it on YouTube. I didn't get to see it myself because I don't have a television. And um, Ricky Gervais, who is a British comedian, uh, this is the fifth year, I think, that they've asked him to MC. He's the master of ceremonies. And so I watched his monologue, and I'm going to play, I think, about six or seven minutes of it today, maybe five or six minutes. That is fascinating because he really went after the uh, people there. And they're the ones, uh, the actors, they make a living, they make a really amazing living pretending to be something they aren't. And so they'll pretend to be a president or a detective or something, something, or a governor or uh, a hero, a military hero. And and the they do it so well, and we love their movie, that people kind of overlay that persona or that occupational skill as if they know something about it. So then they, these people that all they are is good pretenders. They're just expert pretenders of being someone else. They, they're actors. They act another part. But because they have such a high profile in our, our society, they go and they, they testify before Congress as if their opinion is somehow an expert opinion, like a physicist or a constitutional scholar or a cancer uh, doctor, right? A cancer researcher. Those people are experts in their field. But an actor will go just because he played a doctor on TV and give input on drugs, on, on pharmaceutical drugs. It's crazy. It's just totally crazy because they, it's like me going out and playing the part in a movie of a baseball player and somehow becoming an expert analyst for baseball. It's crazy. So uh, the, the, Hollywood has done a great job at perpetrating one lie after another. So like global warming and, and they, they lecture and tongue lash everyone else about whatever the cause there is, whether it's pro 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 abortion or <clears throat> saving the planet. And then they will all fly private jets to go to these, big climate change conferences or like to the Golden Globes instead of flying on a commercial jetliner that has maybe three or 400 people on it and they could even fly first class since they could afford it. They fly their private jet. And so a hundred and I don't know whether you saw the audience there's quite a big hundreds of people at this event, very uh, stylish event. So uh, about, I think it was 113 of them actually flew on a private jet to the event. And Ricky Gervais was mocking them for all going to the event in not electric, little electric vehicles, but in limousines. Isn't that interesting? Big old limousines, probably eight cylinder uh, limousines. And uh, began, he began mocking them about them saying one thing to society and doing something else with their own lives. The fact is, most of society doesn't really care a bit about what they think about anything. 
So they've been lying about Harvey Milk for years, and the media has been complicit in this. The media, uh, before Donald Trump began using the term fake news almost every day, they were creating personas or a perspective or a view about people that was totally false. And one of them was Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk, um, and this is this article is uh, the title title is the media keeps lying about Harvey Milk's military record. Now Harvey Milk went into the military in the fifties in the Navy. I think his dad had been in the Navy, and um, and according to the Navy and his paperwork, he served honorably. And he served his four-year hitch. He got out a little early, but most people do. Once they decide they're going to get out, they give him a little bit early out, maybe a month out early. And he came out early. He got an honorable discharge. And uh, he even got to live off base, I mean off off the ship. And, and uh, he, he got some benefits for his service uh, in the later part of his service. But what he did was he constantly was trying to use, since he was a homosexual, he was constantly trying to use the homosexual card like people use the race card as if he'd been harassed and uh, faced intolerance and humiliation and uh, verbal attacks regarding his homosexuality, which he had not. His uh, preference, according to Randy Schiltz, uh, who wrote a book. Randy used to write for the San Francisco Chronicle before he died of AIDS. Um, the title of the book was The Mayor of Castro Street, and he wrote very plainly that uh, and honestly that Melk lied uh, to make himself look better. So isn't it interesting that usually when you hear people uh, telling a lie about their military record, it's people like... Uh, Senator, what is it, uh, Blumenthal of Connecticut, who lied and said he fought in Vietnam, and it turned out he didn't. People still voted him into office, but he was a complete liar, never did anything over there. So you'll see people be arrested, actually, if it isn't a senator, uh, that people like me, just a regular person, without any high rank or anything, if I lied and said that I was a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret or something, something, or I fought in Desert Storm or Vietnam, and people have eventually found that out, there's actually a crime. That's a crime, and you can be arrested for that. So in Harvey Milk's uh, situation, he he had a good military record, but he wanted to portray himself as having a horrible record because and the record was that he served well, but he was dishonorably discharged because he rather have sex with a boy than a girl. That was the big deal because he wanted to, that became his issue in life. And he liked not only uh, males, he liked little boys. That's what he liked. Now, normally we call that a pedophile, but in, in Harvey Melk's case, we just ignore everything that might come across as kind of sleazy. So first he, he, he began telling a lie. In fact, there's another lady that, that's, that's considered the queen of lesbian history. And she also wrote a book um, about, let's see, what did she, Lillian Faderman. She's the mother of lesbian history. 
And he, she wrote a book, Harvey Milk, His Lives and His Death, and um, said that he served with distinction, and he was a liar. And let's see, then um, there was another book, Cult City, Jim Jones, Harvey Milk, and Ten Days at Shook San Francisco. And... Um, his discharge from, it says in this book, Melk's discharge was July 23, 1955, about four years after he joined. And uh, he he was trained as a deep sea diver. He patrolled the waters off North Korea during the Forgotten War. And um, anyway, there's a copy of the documents right there in the San Francisco Public Library for posterity's sake. But the media keeps portraying him as a disparaged wonderful guy that happened to have sex with boys. But he wasn't. He wasn't disparaged by the military. But it made him look good. It made him look like a hero. Now, it's interesting when we don't honor true heroes, but we want to hire, we want to honor victims. That's what the media in Hollywood wants to do, is to create victims, and then we honor victims. With a true hero, we don't honor a, a true hero. I'm going to take a break right now, and I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to play this Ricky Gervais monologue. I think you'll listen really closely. It's maybe some things you've wanted to say, and then I'm going to come right back. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? If I go, there will be trouble. Hello, and welcome to the 77th Annual Golden Globe Awards, live from the Beverly Hilton Hotel here in Los Angeles. I'm Ricky Gervais. Thank you. Um, you'll, you'll be pleased to know this is the last time I'm hosting these awards, so I don't care anymore. Um, I'm joking. I never did. Um, NBC clearly don't care either. Fifth time. So, I mean, Kevin Hart was fired from the Oscars because of some offensive tweets. Hello. Lucky for me, the Hollywood Foreign Press can barely speak English, and they've no idea what Twitter is, so I got offered this gig by fax. So let's go out with a bang, let's have a laugh at your expense, shall we? Remember, they're just jokes. We're all going to die soon, and there's no sequel. So, yeah, remember that. Um, but you all look lovely, all doled up. You came here in your limos. I came here in a limo tonight, and the license plate was made by Felicity Huffman. So, no. Shush. It's her, it's her daughter I feel sorry for, okay? That must be the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to her. And her dad was in Wild Hogs. So, lots of big celebrities here tonight. I mean, legends, icons, yeah? Look, at this table alone. Uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. But... <laughs> Baby Yoda. Uh, oh, that's, that's Joe Pesci, sorry. Um, I love you, man. Don't have me whacked. Um, but tonight isn't just about the people in front of the camera. In this room are some of the most important TV and film executives in the world. People from every background, but they all have one thing in common. They're all terrified of Ronan Farrow. <laughs> He's coming for you. He's coming for you. Look, talking of all you perverts, it was a big year. 
it was a big year for paedophile movies. Um, surviving R. Kelly, Leaving Neverland, Two Popes. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I don't care. I don't care. Many talented people of colour were snubbed in major categories. Um, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. The Hollywood foreign press are all very, very racist. So, <laughs> fifth time. So, we were going to do an in memoriam this year, but when I saw the list of people that had died, it wasn't diverse enough. It just, no. It was mostly white people. And I thought, nah, not on my watch. So, Maybe next year. Let's, let's see what happens. No one cares about movies anymore. No one goes to the cinema. No one really watches network TV. Everyone's watching Netflix. This show should just be me coming out going, well done, Netflix, you win. Everything. Good night. But no, no, we've got to drag it out for three hours. You could binge watch the entire first season of Afterlife instead of watching this show. That, that's a show about a man who wants to kill himself because his wife dies of cancer. And it's still more fun than this. Okay? <laughs> Spoiler alert, um, season two is on the way. So in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. Shut up. I know he's your friend, but I don't care. <laughs> you had to make your own way here in your own plane, didn't you? Right. But m seriously, most films are awful. Lazy. Remakes. Sequels. I've heard a rumour that there might be a sequel to Sophie's Choice. I mean, that would just be Meryl Streep going, well, it's got to be this one then. All the best actors have jumped to Netflix and HBO, you know. And the actors who just do Hollywood movies now do fantasy adventure nonsense. They wear masks and capes and really tight costumes. Their job isn't acting anymore. It's going to the gym twice a day and taking steroids, really. Have we got, a, have we got an award for most ripped junkie? No. No point. We know he'd win that. Um, Martin Scorsese, the greatest living director, made the news for his controversial comments about the Marvel franchise. He said they're not real cinema and uh, they remind him of theme parks. I agree. Although I don't know what he's doing hanging around theme parks. He's not big enough to go on the rides, is he? <laughs> it's tiny. <laughs> right. The Irishman was amazing. It was amazing. Um, that... It was. My fact, my, it was great. Uh, long, but amazing. Um, it wasn't the only epic movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, nearly three hours long, Leonardo DiCaprio attended the premiere, and by the end, his date was too old for him. So, <laughs> even Prince Andrew's like, come on, Leo, mate, you know. You're nearly 50, son. Um, the world got to see James Corden as a fat pussy. <laughs> he was also in the movie Cats, but no one saw that. Um, and the reviews, oh, shocking. I saw one that said, this is the worst thing to happen to cats since dogs, right? <laughs> But Dame Judi Dench defended the film, saying it was the role she was born to play. Because she... I can't do this next joke. <laughs> because she loves nothing better than plonking herself down on the carpet, 
lifting her leg and licking her Verbal, verbal. She's old school. Um, it's the last time, who cares? Oh. Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show. A superb drama, yeah. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So, if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right... Come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God. Haven't these politicians heard of Do Not Steal? I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. A federal lawsuit has been filed against AB5, a new California law that forces many independent contractors to become employees whether they want to or not. AB5 tramples freedom, stifles choice, turns the government against legitimate workers, makes government bigger, and hurts people financially. The ruling Democrat politicians passed AB5 to rake in more workers' compensation and unemployment insurance money from small business owners. Now, if that's not corrupt, realize the ruling Democrats are violating the Constitution, which is the basis of this lawsuit. In the Bible, in Matthew 20, we see that Creator God is into ownership and contracts. Shouldn't we also respect owners' God-given rights and the liberty to make professional contracts with others? SaveCalifornia.com, fighting the good fight for your values in California. All right, I'm back, and, and uh, we're talking about Harvey Milk and... The fact that Harvey Milk not only lied about his discharge from the military, but then he had a camera shop down around Castro Street. And uh, when his he, he kept running for supervisor and losing, so he's running again. And um, he busted into his own camera shop and called the cops and told the cops that somebody had vandalized his camera shop whereas he vandalized his own camera shop. And it made it look like uh, people were, it, you know, it brought him up in the polls because it, it was like he was suffering persecution because he was a homosexual candidate. And um, so that worked for him again. And uh, so what we have then is that the under, I think it was under Arnold Schwarzenegger's governorship, the, um, legislature of the state of California began, became so enamored a, after uh, Harvey Milk was murdered. Remember, uh, Danny White, who was another supervisor, got frustrated with he and Mayor Moscone because White had got discouraged and resigned and then changed his mind right away and wanted to come back and get his seat back. And Moscone was okay with it, but um, 
Harvey Milk was not. So anyway, Randy or Danny White came in and and shot both of them. So that also began. They wanted the movie portrayed uh, White as uh, homophobic. In other words, he hated and feared homosexuals, which was another lie because Danny White actually had donated towards uh, causes that were homosexual causes in the city of San Francisco. So it's just, you know, it, they, it just like you ever <clears throat> read a book and then gone to see the movie. And so you're comparing the, the, the book storyline with the movie storyline. So when you walk out, usually the first thing that comes out of the mouth of the person that write, read the book and saw the movie when their, their buddy or girlfriend comes out and said, you know, they start first thing you say is, "How? What'd you think? How'd you like it?" And the person said, "Yeah, I, I liked it." And then the other person's read the book said, "Well, yeah, I like the book better." Or that last part where they did this, this, and this didn't really match up with the book, right? So in this case, what's going on with Harvey Milk is that the media and Hollywood has had has portrayed a victim that really wasn't a victim. He was just a guy that liked to have sex with little boys. He never got arrested for it. Um, he ran around with cult leader Jim Jones because he wanted his support for his. Uh, that's the Jim Jones where 900 people died under his leadership in Ghana or Guyana. And um, so what we have here is the ongoing lie, lie after lie after lie told about Harvey Milk, and now the legislature uh, during the the Schwarzenegger years passed a uh, resolution to have a Harvey Milk Day in May, uh, mid-May, I think it's around the 20th or 21st, each year in our school system to honor Harvey Milk. Now, it's interesting. It's one thing to honor a person that maybe he was a war hero and did all kinds of wonderful things, but he happened to like sex with men. That's one thing. But this guy actually didn't just have sex with men. He had sex with underage boys. Now, usually that's a problem. But in our society, if we like the guy, then we're going to like erase that. And we're just going to overlook that. The other thing, usually people are supportive and enamored or or, uh, blessed by people that tell the truth. I was telling somebody the other day, it's harder and harder for me to find people that aren't just straight up liars. They just lie. It's unbelievable. I, I, I see that a lie is different than if you say something you think is true and it actually isn't true. That's just, you made a mistake and you need to get corrected and, and get the facts straight, right? Facts, getting the facts straight is different than just telling a lie about somebody. But in this case, what we have is a media now that is telling a, a story or a storyline or a scenario that actually is completely false, whether it's about Harvey Milk or whether it's about Donald Trump, or you could just have an endless, endless list of people. So we have these people like uh, Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut who can go and just say he was in Vietnam and he served with distinction and this and that. Somebody goes and looks it up or you'll have somebody say they got a four year degree or Elizabeth Warren says she's a Cherokee, or somebody says uh, the gal that was uh, in Spokane, Washington, the head of the uh, Dolezal, I think her name was, uh, head of the NAACP, and she was Norwegian. 
she didn't have any black genetics at all. She was just blonde as can be, but she dyed her hair and toned up her skin like she was a light skinned black and just so anyway, if uh, people just kind of wish it, you know, they, it's like wishing yourself thin. You're 500 pounds and you just say you just redefine yourself as skinny. So that's a the thing about Harvey Melkin today. The media continues to uh, put him out as a victim. The guy wasn't a victim unless you want to say, well, he was a victim of, of a gunshot. Right. But you don't have to be a homosexual to be that. So the other thing, there's a couple of things here I'm going back and cover from last week that I wanted to cover, but I just ran out of time. And, you know, the media is constantly picking on things. I just saw it was an article where Trump, one of the, one of the manufa- big manufacturing companies, I think they're from Japan, that came in here and they give them all kinds of billions of dollars of incentives. And the article was being negative on this company that the incentives – they were big incentives and the results coming back benefits to the country, the United States and to that part of the country where they're going to hire thousands of people, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the benefits weren't that great. <clears throat> well, the fact is there's there in spite of when things don't turn out exactly like you saw them turning out, there are things that are going on uh, along the lines of what president Trump promise which i like now i I don't know whether you remember this when they went in and and the oval they hire people to help them in the white house and the number of people uh i think uh melania trump her number of staff people was like 50 percent of what michelle obama's was and i'm not really here to judge either one of them i'm just here to say i'm happy Anytime they can cut in half the employees because that comes out of our tax dollars, right? And also, I think a few weeks ago, I mentioned that there was about a $20 million savings so far in the Trump White House and um, from cutting back on employees. Now, this one, because the promise that Trump made that he was going to shrink the federal government, and it needs to be shrunk a lot, like 25, 35, 50 percent, a lot. Like he's talked about even shutting down the Department of Education. And a lot of you don't know this, but we at one time didn't have one. We didn't have an environmental protection agency, right? We didn't have one. And we got, we got, we didn't have a Homeland Security agency. We just keep adding layer after layer of bureaucracy. So, um, President Trump announced that the National Security Council, the NSC, you hear hear them use those terms. NSC, National Security Council. They're gonna they're gonna get rid of three hundred and thirty people. Now you think, oh my God, you know how can he do that? All the other presidents have kept all those people. No, they haven't. Obama increased it. They had one, but Obama increased it a lot. So, uh, and a lot of them will be given a chance to go to other departments. But they're going to take them out of that department. And one of the reasons is that the, that they're uh, anti-American. Many of the people that are hired there are leaking. These people are supposed to be security council. The dynamic word there is security, national security. And, but they got loose lips. They're always talking trash to the media, so they're just going to shrink it, right? <clears throat> 
So Congress created, we didn't even have a National Security Council before the Cold War. Did you realize that? That's after World War II. Never even had one. So it was, a, it was to coordinate policy between various government national security entities, such as the military and the CIA and probably the FBI, right? President Truman, Harry Truman, did not like it. Congress made it, and he did not like it. And he felt they were interfering in what he was supposed to be doing, right? So you think, oh, the, everybody was for this all along. No, they weren't. They weren't. We didn't always have it. Truman was against it. And uh, remember, he was saying, if you don't like the you don't like the heat, stay out of the kitchen. He was that type of guy. In the wake of nine eleven, NSC was reorganized. Uh, And the NSC grew in size and power with as many as 450 people assigned to it when he, when Obama merged the NSC and White House staff supporting Homeland Security. Uh, and they merged into one big staff. Anyway, they're going to they're cutting back. And I like it because all those people get big salaries. You think they get like 40,000 a year? No, 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 no. They're getting a lot of money. Those people. So the White House national security staff is being downsized sharply to improve efficiency within the policy coordinating body by consolidating positions and cutting staff. If I ever uh, – I'm, I'm getting too old to run businesses now, but if I ever – I think you could walk into any business and you could make it more efficient and cut staff. Not that I'm anti-people, but it's, hey, at the end of the day, you've got to be able to pay everybody, Right. Another, um, I'm, I'm trying to see, there's there's some other cuts that are going on that you, you don't even see mentioned in the media because they don't want to, they don't like it. The media wants the government to just grow, 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 grow. And um, so uh, here's another one. Betsy DeVos, the head of the Department of Education. You don't hear much about her anymore, do you? Remember, they just hated her because she's, her husband's like she and her husband are billionaires, right? We'd rather have a welfare recipient run the Department of Education, some babe that s- sucks cocaine up her nose, and we pay for it. <clears throat> Betsy DeVos has cut 600 staff positions at the Department of Education, although it's it only amounts to 14% of the entire uh, education department population. President Trump also, this is cool, he relocated two research departments. Now, this is interesting. It's the Department of Agriculture, right? You'd think they'd be involved in in parts of the United States where there's agriculture. But we got these research departments in Washington, D.C. So he told them, he said, we're relocating you to Kansas City. (laughs) I can just see them. They hate him. They're probably cussing him out every time they get... So he wanted to bring this, the research departments geographically closer to the agriculture that they were studying. Doesn't that make sense to you? But everybody wants to live up there in Washington, D.C., or all the good restaurants, all the money, 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 hobnobbing with all the big dogs, the deep state. So he gave them a, a chance to move on over there, and, and uh, it says the government workers were not happy. And the vast majority of the staff at the uh, these different entities declined to reclo- relocate their new office space to the Midwest. 
USDA said it plans to aggressively hire new employees to fill the absences. So it's interesting. You remember when uh, Trump, right before um, he actually won, where they were estimating, you know, they were saying the stock market's going to crash and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And and 25% or 30% of the federal workers, you know, a lot of Hollywood people are going to go to Canada or Mexico or Switzerland or something. And uh, something like 25 or 30% of the federal government people said they were going to quit. And I just thought, I, I just thought that was wonderful. In fact, I didn't care any of the threats, but uh, I think a lot, I, I think a lot of people did quit. I don't think 20 or 30% did, but the fact is they stayed there and tried to do everything they could to sabotage, uh, sabotage Mr. Trump all the way through from the first day. In fact, they're now admitting uh, in the Democrat leadership that their plan was from the very beginning before he even took office to to do the articles of impeachment. But he didn't have to do anything. They were just going to impeach him. Uh, oh, by the way, did you know that the, the, the leader of the U.S. embassy attack in Iraq here a couple weeks ago was welcomed at the White House by Barack Obama? It's a wonder that they didn't send one of those rockets to Barack Obama's house instead of taking out. They took out that, uh, I call him semen salami, the terrorists over there. I thought with with Barack Obama's closeness to the the terrorists and ISIS, I thought one of these one of these heat seeking missiles maybe land up in his lap. But uh, the guy that. Uh, the guy that coordinated the attack on the U.S. Embassy was Hadi Farhan Al-Amiri. I like that other one that they killed a while back. Big, da- I call him Big Daddy. He's the one that raped repeatedly that young American girl. She's a Christian girl over there trying to just serve the broken and the poor. And he just like scooped her up and just said, I'm just going to have sex with you every day. Me and me and I'm gonna be blessed by Allah and just and just rape you repeatedly. And uh old Big Daddy. I call him Big Daddy. I think they the real name is Baghdaddy. And um so Louis Free, do you remember him? FBI director Louis Free? He was the FBI director in the Clinton administration, the early months of George Bush administration, and I think he retired. He said it was shocking that Mr. Al-Maliki would include Mr. Al-Amiri in his visit to the White House. But Obama just thought, oh, we're just going to welcome all these people who have been killing our military people and killing our contractors and raping our girls. Guy's sick. Obama, people say, oh, well, we need to show him respect. No, the dude's sick. He's pervert. He's a pervert. He's sick. And he's not a patriot. He gave money to the enemy. He comforted the enemy. The money that's being used to terrorize Israel and all other Western-leaning people, the money that Bill, we're talking about, on one lump sum, over $150 billion, 
and then we sent them in cash on a pallet. You remember seeing that pallet of cash? We think, oh, the cartel, oh, the cartel. Oh, come on. The United States government, $1.5 billion in cash wrapped up. That's something you'd see in a Hollywood movie. Incredible. That would be Barack Obama. The guy's off the hook, man. He's an old crack smoker from the 70s. He's a character, that Obama. And he and they have photos. In fact, I saw one uh, on the Internet, a photo of the guy uh, that organized that embassy hit. And he's standing right there in the Oval Office. I thought, you know something, they let it anything into that Oval Office. Incredible. I wanted to read you. Maybe I better. Let me go up here and do this. We've got a couple minutes left. And let me just hit this real, real good. I want to mention to you that you need to sign the recall uh, Gavin Newsom form. And we, you need to do it right away. This month is it. After we just we get into February, it's over. We either got enough signatures or we don't. So we need you to sign it. And that's just going to put it on the ballot. You think, well, I'm not sure whether we should do it or not. I really don't like him. Well, put it on the ballot and let's see how we vote on it. But we can't even vote on it unless you put it on the ballot. And we need enough signatures to put it on the ballot. So you just have to be a registered voter. You could be registered of any flavor. And uh, so if you go to this website, R-A-N-A-F, R-A-N-N-E-V-E-R-A-F dot org, recall Gavin Newsom. And you could figure out where to go to sign the petition. Or if you're in Yuba Sutter counties, you could go over to Monty Hecker's Elite Universal Security. Uh, at uh, I'm looking up the address right now, 5548 Feather River Boulevard, 5548 Feather River Boulevard. And that's uh, just south of Marysville. And you can go there any time of the night or day because it's a 24-hour operation. It's a security operation. You can also get petitions there, take them back to your neighborhood, get your whole neighborhood to sign it, then then take them back to Monty, and he'll he'll get them down to Sacramento for you. So we need to get that signed. And and listen, if you think you're gonna, if you're staying here, if you're leaving, maybe you don't care. But if you're thinking about staying here for a few years, uh, we need to change the composition of the legislature, right? And and our the, our northern ones tend to be fairly conservatives, conservative. But the governor isn't, and we need to help other people in different parts of the state of California, down south, south of Yuba Sutter counties, uh, throw these liberals out, just like they threw the one out down in Fullerton. They recalled them. We need to recall all kinds of people. We, this we can't wait. We just got to get it going. And sitting on the sidelines, uh, you're a part of the problem. You think, oh, well, I'm just, I just want to remain neutral. No, new, neutral, it's like Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. There is no neutral. That's a, that's a loser decision. So uh, we're going to take a break here in our second segment. And uh, I want to listen, this next guy that talks here is a Cuban immigrant. And this Cuban immigrant will get your attention. He's just a good old boy. And uh, he gr- was granted asylum by the U.S. government, and he wants to tell you a little bit about socialism, so pay attention. Be right back. You could go with way. Is it easier to stay? I wonder what you'll do 
when your chance rolls around. But you gotta know how much I wanna keep you. My name is Ray, and I escaped socialism in Cuba, windsurfing across the ocean for 10 hours. If socialism were that good, do you think all these people were re-escaping Cuba? Socialism ruins people's life. I can believe there's Americans that want that for us here. This is the thing, socialism looks beautiful in a book. And, uh, but, and it might taste even good in the first year or so when you're implementing it. But then things start rotting. This memory scored my brain. My mom breaking down furniture to make fire. We were destroying our own furniture to boil potatoes. In Cuba, eating a lobster is illegal. You go diving, you grab one lobster, you can get six years in jail. But the government gets them by boats, by tons. All the policemen in Cuba will live way better than us. All the government, not even mentioned that, way better. The elite, they live in a bubble. That's socialism for you. One day I got enough, grabbed my windsurfing equipment, went to the very isolated side of the, of the city with the, with the straight shot to the ocean, away from the bay, and I took off. And I remember reaching the conclusion, and this is, a, this, is a, this is a messed up part that you, if you want socialism, you should wonder about this. You should wonder why I reached the conclusion that dying there would be even better than ever be back. I'd reached the conclusion that I would take the decision to put my head under the water and take three deep breaths of water, and I would die drowning with a big smile on my face because I knew I was free. This is the first time in my life I was free. I get picked up at the Coast Guard boat, I get sent back to Cuba, and I get my paperwork from the U.S. Embassy, interest section, and I, uh, it took me three years of processing the case, uh, exchanging mail, uh, going to the, to the capital in Havana, and submitting my paperwork. In uh, September 2007, I came to U.S. as a political refugee. Keep in mind, this is my first flight ever. I've never been on a plane before, and uh, uh, here I am, by the, time I, by the time the plane is approaching New York City, it is at night already, it's dark. Seeing that, I was amazing, very impressive. So that very first day in 2007, after landing in New York, my friends took me to this restaurant. And you have to keep in mind, beef is also illegal in Cuba. An eatable item, illegal. And I'm sitting there and I'm having in front of me this maybe a pound and a half cheeseburger with another humongous side of fries on the side. And I uh, can't avoid, it's a, it's a mix of feelings because I, I'm, I'm feeling grateful that I'm here able to eat a piece of meat. And uh, at the same time I feel guilt because people are going to prison for that and my family can't even eat that. And I'm, I'm sitting there sending away half of the plate because I can't finish it. And up to this point today, I think I'm gonna kill myself about stuffing food down my throat because I, I cannot send food back to the trash. I, I refuse to do that. And that's my fight all the time with my kids today. That's another thing that I'm afraid of and scared of that they're gonna grow up, yeah, with the stories, but it's not gonna be the same, that living it. Of how lucky they are of being here, something that simple as a piece of meat. They in other places, in a socialist place, it will get you to jail. Now we are here and these liberals are trying to fed us down the throat and Bernie Sanders, a freaking guy, a guy that's friend with the Castro and talking beautiful things about the Cuban system. I was there, I sucked it up. Why Bernie Sanders failed to tell you that? That you can go to prison in Cuba for eating something? That, how? 
I don't like hands out. So I always wanted to be a part of the service. And I went to the Army. I enlisted in 2010, and I got the opportunity to serve a year in Afghanistan. I own my life and my kids' life and the future that they can have to this nation. And I, that's why I went in service, to feel and be able to tell anybody that can challenge that around me that I earned it. Nobody gave me anything. I earned it. I earned my right to vote, I earned my right to speak, and I earned my right to tell you right now why socialism sucks. So I'm going to play this clip right now. I, I'm not sure whether this I got this recorded properly. So let me uh, let me just I think I missed this uh, talk I gave about Monty Hecker and Elite Universal Security. So I want to make sure that you know that Monty uh, can help you get a job and has uh, Elite Universal Security out on Federal Boulevard, and uh, you can get a you can go work for him. And he started out as a uh, a veteran from the United States Air Force, and he stands up for what he believes in. He's a he's a patriot, stands up for conservative causes, the right to bear arms, the free speech, all those kind of things. And so you have an opportunity to you can go to work and um, he'll help you. He'll train you to to get the work. They have all the kind of classes out there. They also have classes on tasers, pepper spray. If you've got a gift for Christmas. And you could go out there and uh, they will train you how to use that. Even though I don't agree with having to go get a permit to carry a gun. They say if you carry one and we catch you and you do not have a proper permit, they will cite you. Maybe they'll even arrest you. But uh, you can avoid all that. If you want to go get a permit, they'll help you with that as well. So you can call them at... uh, 530-749-0280. You can take their classes. You can get get a job with them all the way up, if you're listening from up Northern California, all the way up to Oregon border. Wherever up in Northern California here, they'll put you to work. And uh, we appreciate their support. And you can go and sign right at at their office on Federal Boulevard, 5548. You can sign the petition to recall the governor or... They will give you petitions that you can take home and sign, and then you can bring them back. So uh, so we're going to take a break right now, and then I'm going to uh, come back after we play this clip. New state laws are going into effect all across the state of California starting January 1st, 2020. With more than 1,200 new laws, they touch on a range of issues from gun ownership to health care. We are the most un Trump state in America. Many of these new laws and regulations will rein in a new progressive shitopia in California. And as part of our continuing search for California's goal. Here are some of the new California laws going into effect for 2020. Starting next school year, it will be illegal for public schools in the state to suspend students in first through fifth grade for willfully defying teachers or administrators. Why? Because... This is a progressive utopia, and kids aren't allowed to be spanked or told what to do from their parents anymore. Duh. 
Then from 2021 through 2025, it will be temporarily extended to kids in grades 6 through 8. State legislative analysts have said some schools may end up spending millions to accommodate the adjustment. But just when you thought, hey, this could be a disaster, next thing you know, we're going to have a bunch of hoodlum kids running around going to juvenile hall. Well, nope, they've got a new law for that. And a focus on getting under the hood uh, of what trauma these young children had in the first place that triggered some of the activities and actions and bad decisions that led them here. Apparently, children under the age of 12 are no longer going to be sent to juvenile hall unless they've committed a serious offense such as murder or sexual assault. They will just be sent back home to their parents. The whole point of the bill is to make sure that we redirect them from delinquency to dependency. Gee, I can't imagine where this could go wrong. I don't doubt her intentions are good, but think about this for a moment. Would this entice or motivate people? Perhaps you're an 18-year-old gang member, and you want to have somebody else carry the gun, carry the dope, maybe even execute the crime. Now that it's fair game for selling drugs if you're under 12, I wonder if these children are now going to be targeted by street gangs. Juveniles were being used by the cartel to smuggle large quantities of of drugs by telling them, look, you know, you don't have to worry. Chances are you're not going to get caught. If you do get caught, you're not going to get prosecuted. This would make it easier for criminals to recruit children. Say goodbye to those beach days, hanging out on the beach, smoking a cigarette or cigar or even maybe a doobie because it is now illegal to smoke on the beaches or at state parks in California. Uh, unfortunately, there are people, and I don't understand it, that do still smoke. And uh, I don't know where they smoke because it's banned out here in all restaurants and buildings. And violators will be charged $25 if they get caught. But hey, just another way to pull in more cash to the bankrupt state so that more of these corrupt Democrat politicians can all launder it into their pocketbooks anyway. They used the tax dollars collected from the hardworking citizens of Bell as their own piggy bank, which they then looted at will. California is now the first state to offer medical benefits to all adults under 25 years old, including illegal immigrants. Regardless of immigration status, this law expands coverage to undocumented immigrants. I wonder who's going to be paying that bill. To pay for it, California plans to tax people, including legal residents, who don't have health insurance. Yeah, that's right. The American taxpayers. A family of four would pay at least $2,000. Others question why California would go to great lengths helping undocumented immigrants. Immigrant rights advocates also want California to provide full health coverage to undocumented immigrants aged 65 and older. Imagine when even more people catch wind of this and flood to California to get that free health care. I can't imagine that that's going to be a disaster. California's got a booming economy, right? They'll be able to pay for this expense. California is losing a generation of wage earners. The census numbers do not lie. 
all kinds of young professionals. Some of them making decent salaries are leaving, too. The ones who are leaving are, are family-age people, people 30 to 54, that group. That's the group that's leaving. Given that businesses are now going to be hit with a mandatory $13 an hour minimum wage and $12 an hour minimum wage for businesses with under 26 employees, they're going to have a harder time now with these annual $1 a year increases, which then stop at $15. Minimum wage workers in Menlo Park will be getting a pay bump, but it's making things harder for small business owners. I would have to fire almost everybody in the store. Um, and work all the hours myself. Come December 16th, the 13 employees who've served thousands here will be out of a job. But it wasn't enough to save his business. When he says has been strangled by the state ramp up to a $15 an hour minimum wage. 75 to 80 percent of the reason why they're closing, that wage pressure. So businesses are now going to be struggling to provide health care coverage for their employees, plus this $13 an hour minimum wage that goes up a dollar every year. And somehow, this money's just all going to come from nowhere. As an independent, Antoine's concerned about truckers being potentially reclassified as employees under a bill now moving forward at the Capitol. I work for myself. I like being independent. I don't want to be no one's employee. Just in case you thought you could get around the whole health care, $15 an hour minimum wage kerfunkle, think again, because now they're going to make it even harder to do contracts and have private contractors work for them. Jack Kinney, who drives for both Uber and Lyft, feels the new law threatens his freedom and flexibility. I'm certainly not making less than minimum wage. He has concerns that AB5 will force companies to give employees a set schedule. You put a schedule on me, I'm now no longer able to optimize my work time and I'm going to make less. Basically, if the services that the independent contractor is providing is seen as fundamental to the company, then the company would no longer be able to have them be a private contractor and would be forced to have them as an employee. Companies like rideshare provider Lyft have said the law will force drivers to operate differently. It would impact the ability of drivers to work whenever and wherever they want. Typically, small businesses with less than 26 employees can't afford to pay workman's comp because the rates in California for workman's comp is so outrageously high. So most of these businesses go around this by hiring people as private contractors. Well, now that these new laws are going to come into effect, it's going to make it even harder for those businesses to do so. And thus, it is going to hurt the economy in California. Talk about a dramatic day at the Capitol. Protesters line the halls trying to stop a plan to crack down on medical vaccine exemptions. Protesters banged on the Senate doors, delaying the session by more than an hour. But the final vote went on. Parents in California that decide to not vaccinate their children are now going to meet even more challenges with these new laws that have come into effect. Starting in 2021, it's going to get a lot harder to get a vaccination exemption and kids without them have to either get vaccinated or they can't attend school. State public officials will now have new tools to crack down on doctors they claim are fraudulently giving these vaccine exemptions to parents and their children. We have uh, school districts receiving exemptions from physicians who basically are advertising and selling those exemptions. They're not basing them on evidence-based guidelines. They're basically letting people buy them. 
We've seen some emotionally charged battles between parents who don't vaccinate their children and California public officials and school boards who are trying to mandate vaccinations for all children. Doctors are now being threatened with investigations on their medical practice if they give more than five vaccine exemptions a year for their business. So that means doctors are now being coerced by big government in California to vaccinate children. Otherwise, it could hurt their bottom line. The form also requires a doctor to certify that the information she or he is providing is, quote, true, accurate and complete. And the law says that providing false information could get that doctor in legal trouble. Schools with vaccination rates under 95 percent will now be subject to investigation, according to these new laws. Where's the doctor giving their own medical opinion? Are these legislators now doctors? I myself am not a lawyer. Sometimes I act like one. Not as often as I act as a doctor. I practice medicine on the side without benefit of diploma, too. Whatever happened to these arguments you hear from liberals, it should be between a patient and their doctor. It should be between a patient and their doctor. But wait a second. We only hear them apply that when it comes to abortion and killing babies, which we know the Democrat Party benefits from. You know, selling those baby body parts. Planned Parenthood is harvesting the body parts of unborn babies. I think those decisions are are best left to a woman um, and her doctor. SB 142 expands requirements for lactation rooms, meaning all lactating women have to have a specific room provided to them that they don't have people coming in and out of. New bill becomes law in California. It would require designated lactation rooms for all breastfeeding moms. Food servers are now banned from using latex gloves. Hospitals and food establishments across the state may be in for a big change. There's a movement in the state legislature to ban the use of latex gloves. And of course, the new gun laws in California. With the surge of gun violence and mass shootings at an all-time high, California's new laws are cracking down. New this year, only Californians aged 21 or older will be able to buy a semi-automatic rifle. So you can go off to die at war at age 18, but you can't own your own gun for personal protection in California. 98% of mass public shootings have occurred in places where guns are banned, just so you understand. But hey, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, is the definition of insanity, and California is the land of the fruits and the nuts. Guns are the real killer. As if California's strict gun laws have ever deterred a mass shooting. Until you're 21, that is. If these new California laws just aren't progressive enough, now comes the grand finale. Californians may not be allowed to shower and do a load of laundry in the same day. This one, I'm not sure how I feel about this. You're not going to be allowed to shower and do a load of laundry in the same day. I, I, I had the, the same misgivings. Um, doing a load of laundry takes about 40 to, to 50 gallons of water. Uh, taking a shower for about eight minutes takes about 17 gallons of water. Well, there's a limitation on your daily use of water of 55 gallons per day. So that means if you are taking a shower and if doing a load of laundry, you can't do both without being in violation of the law. Or else they could face charges of up to $1,000 a day. 
Or if it's during a drought period, $10,000 a day. If 55 didn't seem low enough, California is going to incrementally decrease your gallons allotment every year. The water allowance per person will decrease to 50 gallons a day by 2030. So when you're walking down the streets of L.A. and you happen to step in a large pile of human excrement because the outrageous homeless crisis that's being neglected by these Democrat politicians, when you get home, unfortunately, you're going to have to decide whether you wash your shit-covered shoes and socks and pants in the laundry machine or whether you shower your body. A transient with schizophrenia and psychotic disorders dumped feces all over her. A bucket of his diarrhea. It was liquid, hot liquid. I was soaked and I couldn't see it was coming off of my eyelashes into my eyes. Paramedics rushed her to the hospital and she now needs to be tested for infectious diseases every three months. But hey, we all want to live in a Democrat shitopia. Now an effort to get ahead of the complaints, a poop patrol. That's right, the Department of Public Works will try to spot the mess before you do and steam clean it away. It's a great idea. Could we get rid of the poopers as well? Many diseases already began to be eradicated before the introduction of vaccines. Why? Because of the implementation of hygiene and sanitation. So now that Californians are going to be limited to their showering and hygiene because of water usage restrictions, what happens when you have a large influx of illegal immigrants because it's now a sanctuary city mixed with a booming and out-of-control homeless crisis in L.A. and many other large cities with shit all over the floor. This is a recipe for a pandemic that will start in California and spread to the rest of the United States. Happy New Year, Californians. Enjoy your shitopia. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. It's pretty scary what's going on in the state of California. <clears throat> I was talking to my friend Dave Greenitz with Greenitz Construction the other day. And, he, and we were talking about the incredible list of taxes and regulations on contractors and the reason that uh, the housing costs are so just – they're just ridiculous. You can't afford to – like new houses now, you have to uh, have solar on all houses and uh, you have to have sprinklers and just – it's just on and on and on. They, they make the houses uh, – you cannot – People can't afford to buy them, so they're going to move out of the area and move into areas of the country where they don't require those type of uh, uh, optional things that they create necessities now for. So, But Dave Greenwich mentioned that <clears throat> uh, he was mentioning some of the things that add costs and even small things like he says on lumber. Like I thought there would be, be a tax on lumber like there's a tax on anything like auto parts or paint or whatever. He said there's an extra 1% tax on lumber of the, above the 7.25. And the the justification for that is to fight forest fires. I thought, how humiliating is that when they've quit fighting forest fire, fires? In fact, I'm going to read, read a, uh, a letter to the editor from a firefighter, uh, that knows the truth about this and the truth isn't that hard to find about the whole fiasco with forest fires, but the whole concept of the fire, remember the fire tax on all these parcels up in the foothills, 
that they finally just stopped recently. It was an illegal tax, which we'll talk more about that in a minute. It was an illegal tax passed by the legislature uh, without the proper amount of, uh, in fact, it didn't even come before the people. And uh, they passed it, and it, it, you could probably still find uh, sites, websites, where you could appeal and try to get your money back. But there was a lawsuit against the government. Finally, they quit charging the tax after two or three years. But that tax was to pay for the excess cost or added cost to fight fires in the rural areas. So they, they charged that tax, and then they charged because lumber has to do with timber and so they connected it, the 1% tax, in addition to the $150 per building uh, parcel tax, they they said, oh, this is all about making us be more effective at fighting forest fire. And we've never had such horrible forest fire fighting when they um, mandate leaving forests to, to their own, to their own and no management at all. So... Uh, Anyway, I wanted to just give a shout-out to Dave Green. It's, uh, you can look at some of his incredible work, his construction company, uh, to go to greenitzconstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook site, and you can look at the before and after, which I always am fascinated with what they do with the space given and the old look of a place. All the different from the design people to the paint people to the flooring to the the glass people and it's just amazing what what they can do today. So different than say thirty years ago. And uh, so if you're interested in having a, the job of a lifetime done for you, you can you can contact uh, Dave Greenitz at Dave Greenitz Construction. You can email him from those sites, like the Greenitz Construction website. You can email him right off there, or if you want to talk to him, you can dial him up at 530-682-9602, 530-682-9602. Dave's been a friend for 40 years. He's done much, a lot of work on my house. Uh, I've watched his business grow and people... He has a great reputation. And one reason when there's downturns in the economy, one reason that businesses stay in business is the fact that they've got return customers. And people just keep coming back because not everybody, even in a bad economy, not everybody's suffering the same. So there's, there is some money out there. So if you want someone that's honest, dependable, fast, efficient, and, uh, ends up with a beautiful product at the end and you're going to get exactly what you expected then you want to give Dave a call and chances are high that he will answer the phone when you call or if you not answer it he'll get his you'll get his voicemail and he'll be back to you in a flash and you're not going to get two or three other people below him you're going to get the guy and you could ask him all the hard questions and and uh Figure out how not to misspend ten or twenty or thirty thousand and forty thousand dollars your money, depending on what you want to do. So, kitchens, baths, decks, front front entryways, they will do you right. So we're going to be back. We're going to take a, our break here for our third break, and um, we're going to talk. This is John Stossel talking about hot air on the hill. We'll be right back. Every time you go 
I thought congressional hearings were supposed to educate lawmakers. But today's are mostly partisan bickering. Mr. Speaker, I, have a, I do. Mr. Chairman, I have a. Uh, yeah. The gentleman's not recognized. Mr. Chairman, I have a point of order. The gentleman's not recognized. I have a point of order, though. I don't see any education happening. Bond, I allowed the I ranking member to. have a point of to, order. I, the gentleman's not recognized. But members haven't tried to learn things at hearings for a long time. Maybe they don't want to look as ignorant as Senator Orrin Hatch did at this Facebook hearing. Well, how do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? Senator, we run ads. I see. You'd think they'd know basic facts before asking questions, but no. I have a seven-year-old granddaughter who picked up her phone before the election. Here Congressman Steve King asked Google's CEO about an iPhone. But I'd ask you, how does that show up on a seven-year-old's iPhone who's playing a kid's game? Congressman, uh, iPhone is made by a different company. Lately, they're eager to attack big tech, especially Mark Zuckerberg, because he's rich and Facebook's so powerful. Last year, he proposed a new cryptocurrency called Libra. I actually don't know if Libra is going to work, uh, but I believe that it's important to try new things. It is, so Congress should let him. Instead, they summon him to Washington, where Representative Al Green grills him about groups he partners with. How many are headed by women. What does that have to do with Libra? Uh, Congressman, I do not know the answer. Green, like many these days, doesn't want to learn anything. He wants to sneer and score points. How many of them are minorities, Mr. Zuckerberg? Uh, Congressman, I, I do not know off the top of my head. Are there any members of the LGBTQ plus community? Give me a break. These hearings have changed a lot since they were invented by the very first Congress in 1789. Founder George Mason said members possess inquisitorial powers to inspect the conduct of public offices. Are you stupid? But today, members use their time to bully people. Mrs. DeVos, have you ever taken out a student loan? Education Secretary Betsy DeVos is a billionaire. Elizabeth Warren knows that, yet she asks... Uh, have any of your children had to borrow money? Warren wants to be seen bashing a rich Republican. They have been fortunate not to. Uh-huh. Have you had any personal experience with a Pell Grant? Some in Congress bash rich people and business for everything. Tim Sloan was boss of Wells Fargo. Mr. Sloan, why was the bank involved in the caging of children? Really? The bank helped cage children? Uh, I, I don't know how to answer the, that question because we weren't. Others grab TV FaceTime to claim they're more virtuous than others. And I'm not going to sit here and allow this committee to be used to say that e-cigarettes, vaping, Juul is not killing our people. Two last examples. When military personnel were being stationed on the island of Guam, Congressman Hank Johnson said this. My fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. Excuse me? Uh, we don't anticipate that. Later, Representative Johnson said he was joking, but it didn't sound like he was joking. And then there was the time when Congresswoman Maxine Waters grilled bankers about student loan debt. What are you guys doing to help us with the student loan debt? Who would like to answer first? Mr. Monaghan, Big Bank. Uh, we stopped making student loans in 2007 or so. Oh, so you don't do it anymore, Mr. Corbett? We exited student lending in 2009. Mr. Diamond? 
When the government took over student lending in 2010 or so, we stopped doing all student lending. Is the chair of the Financial Services Committee embarrassed that she didn't know that at the direction of her party, government took over student loans years ago? I don't know. Her staff didn't respond to our emails. Watching the hearings, watching politicians score cheap points and bully productive people should make all of us want less government. enjoyed that. Dan Walters, who wrote for decades for the Sacramento Bee, now writes, he's retired, but he still writes. He likes to write. So he writes for other groups called Cal Matters. He wrote an article called Promises Made But Not Kept. One of the things about government that we've realized locally here is that government is not honest. And they'll say, oh, we're going we're gonna to raise this money and we're going to use it over here. But the fact is the money that was already in the budget that they were spending over here is what they call fungible, fungible funds. And unless they're mandated by law that they cannot use that money for anything else, then they can move money around. So they say, well, we're going to use this money for police and fire. So they collect a 1% tax. Well, then... You think, well, it's going to be that money's going to be on top of what they're already getting for police and fire from the general fund, but that's not true. They can take that money that was already allotted for police and fire. I'm just using that hypothetically. They could use we could talk about any topic of funding. They could take the money that was originally going to police and fire and they'll use it somewhere else. That's why whether it's a county, a city, a state, a college district, a water district, They don't ever talk about the impossible debt that they've incurred with pension funds because nobody wants to pay for those because nobody got to vote on those out here. They just got stuck with them by politicians, incestuous politicians, buying off unions, and they give them the unions what they want, and then we can't afford it, so then they just blame it on the public and go out and get more money. So up and down the state... Over the last several years, we've had a flurry of hundreds and hundreds of cities and counties asking for more money from the taxpayer. Now we have there's 73 community college districts up and down the state in California, and they're all out. They're all going broke. So Dan Walters writes this article called Promises Made But Not Kept. He just wrote it a couple days ago. And Dan says last month, the McClatchy newspapers and the ProPublica news organization published an investigative article delving into how billions of dollars meant to reduce repeat criminal activity by improving local jails and probation services were siphoned off for other purposes. In 2000, since 2011, California spent more than $8 billion to and spent more than $8 billion and gave it to counties to cover the costs of the massive prison overhaul approved that year. In other words, 
That was called AB 109, Assembly Bill 109. And they they said, we're going to take certain class of prisoners from the state of California prison system and move them to the counties or and and we're not going to bring people uh, that need prison time down to the prisons. If if they uh, are in certain categories of criminals, we're going to leave them at the local jail area to do a couple of years prison time. Whereas before, you'd only do up to a year here. Anything over a year, you'd go to prison, state prison. They called that the realignment, and it diverted thousands of inmates from prisons to local cells, local jails. Now, here's the deal. What happened was, is there was so much crime in California, people said, we want stronger laws, and we want people to stay in prison longer. So that happened, and crime went down because when you lock up a criminal, that stops that criminal from doing a crime, right? You remove that criminal. Same way when you quarantine somebody that's sick, it keeps that person from getting other people sick. And so, but the liberals running the government refused to build any more prison prisons. So they just kept stocking, you know, in a prison area, a dorm that would say handle 50, they put 100. They just bunked them higher. And finally, a federal judge stepped in and says, listen, uh, he didn't make a comment about the laws in the state of California. He just said, you got to build more prisons. So instead of building more prisons, they dumped them into the jail systems, which any any state prisoner will tell you that he would rather do state prison time than jail time because the jails do not have the services and the facilities, the nice facilities uh, for education and, and uh, training people, preparing people to leave prison. They don't have those kind of facilities at the at the local level. So uh, they gave them these prisoners and then they gave them some money. Right. Well, you know, it's just like if you looked at the uh, at the the jail in the Yuba County Jail, there's nowhere to expand unless you went up. I don't even know whether that building could go up any higher with the foundation it has. But it's in it takes up one entire block to courthouse. So unless you removed everybody else out of the courthouse and made the jail bigger, they got a problem there. So. Walter says the money was meant to pay for jailing the diverted felons and for programs to help them avoid lives of crime. Well, in the Yuba County Jail, I'll just speak because I'm more familiar there than Sutter, the building's so old that it's difficult to add classrooms, right? There's only so many classrooms, and they get filled up, and then that's all you can do. It's a logistics problem. It isn't a will. It isn't a lack of will. It's a lack of logistics, lack of uh, facilities. So the article points out that county officials, instead of, of developing the jail and, and programs and all these kind of things, they diverted the money to the law enforcement, especially the sheriff's office. Now, I don't know whether the counties of Yuba or Sutter did that. I just don't know. But they're saying they did a whole investigation on this, and they said, hey, these guys didn't actually do anything better uh, improve for, in other words, the state prisoners lost. Uh, they took a loss on this deal going back to the county and doing county time because it's more difficult doing county time. It, they're not set up to provide services like the state is because these people at the state are going to be there for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So why did this happen, uh, Walter say? 
Law enforcement costs were outstripping local revenues. This sounds familiar for Marysville and and Yuba County, right? Largely for the unspoken reason of the California Public Employees Retirement System. And that the CalPERS was pressuring local governments to contribute more and more money to offset the system's investment losses during the Great Recession. See, you remember back in 2001 where Gray Davis okayed giving, he started with law enforcement, giving them 3% at 30 years. That that would give them 90% of their salary for the rest of their life. 3% times 30 gives 90%. And uh, so they say, oh, it's a big recession. But what they promised, the CalPERS people promised the legislature and Gray Davis that they could increase the the pension benefits without affecting the taxpayer. That's what they promised. And so the legislature and Gray Davis voted and signed that into law to give a higher pension to government employees. But it broke the bank. And they never recovered. And there are they aren't they are never going to recover. But they just don't want to make a change. Now it's interesting to me how supervisors and governors and legislators will always make a change to take more money from the people, but they will never stop and give more money back to the people. Very, very rarely we ever see that, and usually it's a sleight of hand. So now the CalPERS keeps saying, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough money, so you need to give us more out of your general fund. And that's why all these taxes are being added on. So pension contributions for law enforcement officers are especially high, about 50% of every dollar of salary because they receive the most generous benefits, according to this article, right? I know this to be true. This is not new information, but I think it's interesting that the McClatchy newspapers are doing this where the, the government, state government, gave this money to the counties to improve services to the prison population that's going to be situate in the county and they didn't use it for that that's what this article is saying so the governors and legislators that uh walters goes on and now expands this article he says these leaders political leaders routinely make what they describe as transformative policy decrees and either neglect to follow through or fail to monitor how the money meant to implement the policy is being spent. In other words, they didn't follow up and people just took the money and run. It's the same way where they say, oh, yeah, we're going to spend all this measure K money on law enforcement. And the fact is they aren't. They lied. They lied. Either the either the supervisors in Yuba County and Robert Bendorf and the county council, Av- Avril, are stupid, just plain flat out solid post stupid or they're liars they can't be anything in between because they they proclaimed up and down how this this uh election measure k just needed a simple majority vote and we told them and howard jarvis taxpayers association told them and listen howard jarvis is loaded with attorneys that know the law and tried to tell them ahead of time to do it differently and do it right and they blew it off and so you, the reason they did is they knew darn good and well that they're going to get five, six, seven million dollars 
whether they win this court case or not. They're going to get it from your pocketbook, and they're not going to give it back to you. They're liars. They're, they're, uh, they're connivers. They used a sleight of hand, and they knew they, they were manipulating the public. They knew the public didn't know what they were doing. They, they used hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxpayers' dollars, violating the Constitution of the state of California because no one's going to hold them, hold them to task. And because a handful of people got attorneys to fight this case, they're going to be called on the carpet for it, but they're still going to get away with their money. They took the money and run. And they sit there with a straight face as if they're good Christian guys, even the public information officer, and they lied through their teeth. They're either stupid. If they won't go stupid, I'll go that for them. But it's it's really weird when the people are getting paid $300,000 a year, $100,000 a year for supervisors, and they don't know anything more about the law than that. They don't know about prop. 13 they don't know prop 218 they don't know jack diddley about that you're gonna tell me you don't know anything total liars liars that's all they are and so this is what they're talking about right here and so um dan walter says as with realignment brown and other state officials failed refused actually to monitor how the extra Like they're talking about school money. Now, let me back up here. So Brown overhauled. I was still on the school board when Brown overhauled the school finance system called local control funding formula. Totally chaotic and complicated. Incredible. It removed restrictions on some state school aid and gave school districts with large numbers of underperforming poor and English learning students extra money to close the achievement gap. But as with prison alignment, Brown and state officials failed or refused to monitor exactly how the school spent the money. Where do you think it went? It went to Cal Sturz, to the pensions. They just made a big hullabaloo. I, so is Brown stupid or is a liar? Brown is not stupid. He's a master politician and he is an absolute criminal liar. He should be in prison or in other countries. He should be shot. Just like Obama and all these liars, these Brennan, Clapper, McCabe, Comey, Page, they should be taken out, put up against a wall, and shot. They're liars. They're, they're anti-American. They're trying to do an overthrow of the presidency. And the same at the local level. They gave that money, and they knew darn good and well it was going to go to the unions. They're, they're, if you believe anything else, you're just absolutely, you've been, I mean, you should let somebody else manage your money because you're going to get ripped off somewhere. A few days after this article appeared, Cal Matters, that, uh, that Walters writes for, Cal Matters, one word, Cal Matters, published another article about the uh, what they call the enact and forget syndrome. Enact, E-N-A-C-T, and forget syndrome. Involving the crisis in mental health. Now, I've seen this happen over and over again. In 1967, the legislature, 
they passed a law. It was not. They keep blaming it on Governor Reagan. The legislature passed this law transforming the treatment of people with mental illness in California. Much like the alignment of prisoners, it was meant to depopulate the state's mental health mental hospitals, curb involuntary commitments. In other words, take where you can take somebody and force them in, into a prison, a mental health hospital, uh, without their uh, without them going along with it. And the, and they wanted to divert the mentally ill into local treatment programs. Sounds good, doesn't it? However, it's, it was called the Lanterman. I remember these politicians, Petrus and Short. Lanterman Petrus Short Act create a network of easily accessible local mental health services, little crisis services. They never they never followed through and did a thing. They just turned people loose. The money that had been saved from closing mental hospitals was swallowed up in the state budget and um, and continued to do so past the Ronald Reagan years right on into the other years down the road. Mental ill were left wandering the streets, winding up in local jails, state prisons. In fact, I meet every week. I run into people mentally ill right in my classes at Yuba County Jail. Feel bad for them. It's a bummer. It's a big bummer. And uh, so they end up in the penal system. So Dan Walter says, we should keep the 1967 mental health law. We should keep the local control funding formula. And we should keep the realignment for prisoners in mind the next time the state's politicians tell us they are enacting a transformative solution to a pressing problem. All they are, every one of these things is paying off government unions and pension debt. And they... And they got people to go along with what they stated the cause was. But it was all a big old funky lie. Big old lie. Well, uh, we have that right now with Major C with Yuba College. They say, well, we only passed one bond. Well, they, they, that's in one sense, it's true. We passed, we gave permission to float. 200 and something million dollars in bonds. And then they started doing that little by little. And now on my tax bill in Marysville, I have four Yuba College bonds I'm paying on. As they issued those bonds, it broke them up into four batches of bonds. And it doesn't matter how you slice or dice it. The fact is, why are we having to pay for these bonds anyway? We pay taxes in the state of California that goes down to Sacramento, and they're supposed to fund these state colleges. They're called community colleges or junior colleges. And why are we paying more? Because they overspent their budget. Why are we getting taxed more in Marysville, 1% sales tax, and now 1% sales tax increase in Yuba County? Why? Because they overspent their budget. There's just no other explanation for it. They overspent. They cannot keep up with the expenses of salaries and pensions, salaries and pensions. I wrote an article in the Territorial Dispatch. You can look at it right now or you can look at it on my website at nohostagesradio.com. And you'll find it's an article about pensions and, and Yuba College. 
and how they just simply, uh, you can see the salaries, people, the top four people, just paying for the top four people in the Yuba College system costs us a million dollars. Just for four employees, a million dollars. I want you to think about that. And there's hundreds of people getting paid over $100,000 apiece. Now, I, I'm confident that if somebody from the outside in private business went in and you just gave him a, a red pen and said, I want you to get this thing running efficiently, they would eliminate a lot of the administration and even some of the uh, some of the classes that are a waste of money and a waste of time. A lot of the classes being taught in college today, in fact, are just a total waste of time. They're a waste of money, a waste of time. Waste of taxpayers' money, waste of the students' time. Teach them absolutely nothing that's going to benefit them in life. In fact, making them a bunch of perverts, some of those classes. So what, what Dan Walters is talking about is what we're facing right now, is, is they're claiming they, they're going to, like, improve education. They're going to build more classrooms. They're going to do this. They don't make one mention that they're buried in pensions. Out of 73 community college districts in the state of California, Yuba College has the fourth worst. In other words, num- there's first. The, the one, one college is like the most buried in debt. Then you got one through 73. Who is the worst? That's number one. And then there's number two, number three. Yuba College is number four out of the top five worst managed, most financially screwed up college there is in terms of pension debt. And that's exactly why they're having to float these bonds. They just don't have enough. They don't. And and the interesting thing to the other troubling thing to me is, is that they want to add more classrooms when the populate when the when the attendance at the school is dropping off. So why why are you? It's kind of like it's like a church that has a small congregation that used to have a thousand and now it has a hundred. Why would you build more parking? That's stupid. It's just crazy. It just it's going backwards. And so uh, and to me is it's if it wasn't for a handful of people over here in Yuba Sutter counties that are actually digging into the facts on this, all these other counties, Yolo, Lake, Calusa, they're clueless. They're over there all asleep. They got they're uh, they're under the influence of something. And they're probably going to end up voting because it's, oh, Yuba College, yeah, we like, you know, my kid went to Yuba College, or I went to Yuba College 45 years ago. But the fact is, they they don't even, they're so financially screwed up, they can't even afford to patch their own roof or paint their own house. When, if you were to say that at a at a local uh, a family, a family managing their situations, or you would say they're irresponsible. They're bad managers. And I said this in the article. I said, what family leaves an inheritance of debt to their children? No family does. If anything, you get inheritance, you actually benefit from something, something of value from your parents. But we are the adults that are at the end of their lives right now. And how dare we vote 
to bury our future generations in debt. Some of these bonds from 2006 aren't even going to end until 2030 or 40 or something like that. It's just, it's just total nonsense. We're going to take a break, and then uh, let's see, one, two, three. This is our fourth break, and uh, we got a little clip on dealing, or maybe it's the fifth break, dealing with Hollywood bias. Be right back. I keep hearing there's not enough diversity in the movie business. Gender discrimination in Hollywood. Women have less screen time. Actors agree there's a problem. It's a systematic bias that needs to be addressed. Good. They're really working on diversity. Except there's one kind of diversity they never talk about. Diversity of thought. In Hollywood, it seems you have to think a certain way. First, you must sneer at capitalism. In all these movies, capitalism is evil. In this one, greedy miners will destroy a planet to get these rocks. This is why we're here. Because this little gray rock sells for 20 million a kilo. To get the rocks, they'll kill the beautiful spiritual natives. Those savages are threatening our whole operation. Director James Cameron's now making another Avatar movie. He says the mining company will be the villain again. Avatar 2 and 3? 2, 3, 4, 5. Movie makers are so hostile to capitalism, they butcher basic facts. In Amazon's just released season 2 of Jack Ryan, the hero asks this about Venezuela. Why is this country in the midst of one of the greatest humanitarian crises in history? Socialism? No, the show's answer is nationalism. After rising to power on a wave of nationalist pride, this guy has crippled the national economy. Nationalist pride, no mention of socialism. And of course, the savior is a social justice warrior. Gloria is a history professor turned activist. She's running against him on a social justice platform. This reverses reality. Venezuela suffers because they voted for socialism. We welcome today Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Hollywood's documentaries also celebrate the left. She's become such an icon. Do you mind signing this copy? Justice Ginsburg is impressive, but so is Justice Thomas. Would Hollywood ever praise him like this? The closest thing to a superhero I know. This love for the left frustrates the few actors who lean right. Most fear saying anything because they'd lose work. But one man dared to challenge their power, Hercules. Kevin Sorbo, who starred in the Hercules TV series, spoke up about his conservative views. What happened? All of a sudden, the calls, less, less calls. My agent said, we'd better part ways. And I went, wow, okay. And I made a lot of money for these guys. You ask him, why do we have to part? Oh, I knew why. They told me why. They were pretty straightforward about it. Being a Christian conservative in Hollywood is kind of a death sentence. It's like being a double leper. That's <laughs> what it's like. What do you mean a double they, leper? They want nothing to do with me. He's even been banned from conventions. I turned down Sorbo. He's pals with Sean Hannity. You've been banned from Comic-Con? They have their hate, right? They're the ones who say, 
we need to be tolerant, we need to have love and all those kinds of stuff. They're the most anti-tolerant people and hateful people that we have right now. So much so that even the liberal media has noticed the bias. Just the last 10 years, it's just exploded. Are you even more ruthless than you used to be? Every movie I've ever seen now, every TV show I seem to see, doesn't matter what it is, there's always some point, some place where they'll um, pretty much degrade anybody who's conservative or Republican. Here's President Bush. So we're going to do this thing or what? I mean, is this happening? We can make this work. <laughs> Hot damn. They want to make him dumb and as hickey as possible. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. did you want to? Sorbo's annoyed that directors now shove women into what had been male parts and that even superhero movies push the politically correct message. The women are always saving the men around here. You might want to think about changing the name to X-Women. It was created as X-Men, and they had female characters in there, but that was a title. Now, we're, we're in this business now of rewriting everything. We want to rewrite history. It's not even politically correct, it's politically insane. The recent movie about the first trip to the moon leaves out the planting of the American flag. Why would the movie makers leave the flag raising out of the movie? This was widely regarded uh, in the end as a human achievement. This is a human achievement. It was a human achievement, American human achievement. Ryan, Ryan's why Canadian. Why, they want to sell <laughs> movies in China and other places. Why shove the American flag in their face? I just think it's childish. I think it's ridiculous. Sorbo's response to Hollywood bias was to produce movies like this. Fill in the papers I've just given you with three little words. God is dead. I can't do what you want, I'm a Christian. This movie was very successful. God is Not Dead cost $2 million and made $60 million. Made 70. 70 in theaters. It made $140 million worldwide. His upcoming movie is about two con men who find religion. In Jesus' name we pray. Other conservative and Christian movies do well, too. Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ is America's highest-grossing R-rated film ever. Many of those films are not my kind of movies, but Sorbo makes a good point. Hollywood is absurdly biased. Maybe market competition will bring some balance. All the memories we've had. Yes, you know it's true. All right. Thank you for hanging with me. Uh, if you're up here in Sutter County, you have some plumbing problems. I'm going to give you a heads up. I, I, I see people on Facebook every once in a while. They'll publish something. Um, hey, I'm new to town. I don't know. Well, I need a plumber. I need an electrician. I need a carpet person. I need a dentist. I need a chiropractor. People will all ch chime in on who they think is good which is helpful get that first word of mouth advertising. So, uh, my friends run the plumbing doctor and they're, they serve you Sutter counties and they'll, they're up here 24 hours a day, keeping people in business, their business or their home or apartments or whatever, making things flow, flow in, flow out, whichever way it's supposed to be flowing. They keep it flowing the right way keep things from leaking from one layer of the building to another. That's bad news. One of my friends got a, they had apartments over their business and 
they got a sewage leak. Boom. And stuff came through the roof and just fouled up their whole office. Big mess. When it works, like technology, plumbing, when it works, hallelujah. When it doesn't, problems. So if you got a need, you can call the plumbing doctor night or day. They will come and fix you, get you going the right direction. 530-671-9111. Let me read you a couple. I call these short clips. This is by Gary Bauer, and uh, he says, All over social media, many are suggesting that the president is getting us into World War III. If you believe that, then you have no idea what World War I and II were like. This is a dispute with the, this current uh, issue is a dispute with the Islamic Republic of Iran, which wants to destroy Israel and the United States. That's not World War III. But if you want to talk about world wars, let's not forget the world war that World War II began when a lot of world leaders were unwilling to confront aggression by Nazi Germany. Their desire to appease led to the most horrible war in the history of mankind. I like this uh, Defense Secretary Mark Esper. He said, the United States is not seeking a war with Iran, but we are prepared to finish one. Do you know that the, that past Secretary of Defense, those characters uh, in that fight over uh, Navy SEAL Gallagher, those people were deep state, disloyal, dis- rebellious. They, Trump had to tell that guy three times what he wanted him to do, being the chief executive of the, the military. The guy just blew him off, right? Good for him, the guy finally quit. You know something is, do you remember how Obama let 200 military leaders go? Did you remember anybody complaining about that to anybody? No impeachment, no nothing. Trump removes the Secretary of the Navy or whoever it was, or Defense Secretary, and everybody just had a big old cow. I like these I like these guys that'll fire people. One of the problems in our communities today is it's too hard to fire people. Some people just need to be fired. They're bad for the business, they're bad for government. I've met some really wonderful I most of the employees I work with in government are really good. But oh my goodness, the ones that stink, oh horrible. Can't get rid of them. I I like what Nikki Haley said about this buddy, this terrorist called us, I call him Seaman Salami. The only ones that are mourning the loss of Salami are our Democrat leadership and our Democrat presidential candidates. What in the world would that say? I'd be so embarrassed if that was a Republican that that made a big stink about this and he was just going to try to get some votes and get some money out of... Out of uh, trying to undermine the president's decision here. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. Um, And then here we got Nancy Pelosi talking about ensuring the safety of our service members. When is the last time that any, you heard any Democrat be concerned about the safety, the salary, the well-being, 
the Veterans Administration. Never have these people cared. In fact, they have kept perverts running these operations and allowed these service members that gave their lives, suffered 20, 30, 40 years after World War II with post-traumatic stress, and allowed them to die waiting to see a doc. How disgusting. Uh, All right. I'm going to go on down here a little bit. I want to read this message from a firefighter because the average person knows exactly what's going on with this climate change crap. And uh, they know that when you remove management from the forests, you abandon logging roads, which were also multiply used by firefighters to go in and, and create fire breaks and fight fires and stop fires from getting horrific. Just all kinds of things, you know. It just the average person that's smart knows that these politicians are just totally talking trash, slander, libel, trash. They're they're disingenuous, they're criminal, they're deceptive, they're lining their own pockets, they're corrupt. He says, this guy says, I was a paid firefighter for nearly 15 years in the 80s and early 90s. I fought many a fire, never, ever saw anything like what's happening today. In those days, we would do controlled, cool fuel reduction burns in the spring and late autumn. And we we would maintain bush tracks. In other words, they would maintain breaks. We allowed cattle to graze in the high country and allowed stock to feed on roadside vegetation. Landowners could sink a dam anywhere on their property, a valuable resource in any fire situation. Landowners could make and maintain fire breaks. This all led to a reduction in fuel loads in, in the forests. Sure, we had droughts and we had fires, but not of the intensity and ferocity of what we see today. A lot of our flora relies on fire to regenerate, but when you get fires like we have now, the sheer intensity and heat generated in them destroys some of those species and any chance they may have of survival. There's a big difference between being a conservationist and a greenie. I know this post will piss a lot of people off, That is not my intention, just my experience and my opinion, just saying. That's exactly exactly the truth and and what's going on here. And the fact is that the, the disaster in California, whether you look at homelessness, whether you look at businesses that are abandoning, thousands of businesses that are leaving, thousands of hardworking Americans that are leaving California, whether you look at fires that are burning down entire cities, which they'd never in the history, and to turn around and blame that on climate change is absolutely nutso. It's it's like they're mentally ill. Except they're not mentally ill. They're liars and perverts is what they are. They're total, they're a criminal element, and they should be locked up in places like the Yuba County Jail. We have all these people locked up and we have all these crimes that they supposedly commit. 
they get their day in court. But then we let all these white collar criminals lie, cheat, steal, uh, get, you know, uh, get uh, tax measures on the ballot that are illegal, get them passed, take the money without it, it being legal, legitimate, use taxpayer money against the Constitution. Um, they know it's wrong. They just do it anyway because who's going to stop us, right? They, it's just power corrupts. It corrupts absolutely. And that's what our founding fathers said. We need guns because we need to shoot those people. That's what we need to do. They are out of control. They are taking away our freedom. They're taking away our liberty. They're telling me I can't, if I want to buy extra water, I should be able to buy, if there's water there, I should be able to buy extra water without getting a penalty. I don't need a water Nazi coming around my house or a straw Nazi telling me I can't drink no straw, drink from no straw. Or a water Nazi telling me I can't buy some more water if I want to pay for it. Or if I want to buy a plastic bag or whatever I want to do. And the fact is, you're not making, you know, it's interesting. As we over here are trying to get rid of fossil fuel, the Chinese are expanding their fossil fuel. Do you know that? They, they talk like they're, they're saving um, the earth over there. But they are building coal, they're adding coal mines and coal uh, refinery type operations as fast as they can. And they're, they're getting oil as fast as they can. And they are doing just the opposite. Now, who do you think is having the biggest impact on the environment, positive or negative? U.S. or China? With a billion people, and, we, and we're barely struggling. In fact, if we didn't have immigrants, we couldn't even keep our, our population is actually shrinking. What are we, 325 million? China's population is still expanding at a billion. Now, who do you think is having the biggest pop in the environment, yet we're, we're getting rid of all the things that are actually making us competitive at the world, world level? Crazy. It's just totally crazy. So that's a message from a firefighter. And when we managed our forests, uh, you know, it's, the liberals never want to discuss the pollution that's created by a forest fire. How many millions and millions and millions of car days that amounts to pollution? Cars, in fact, hardly polluted anything anymore. Did you know that in the state of California now, they're, they're working on a new law that now you can't use your gas mower or any kind of gas power equipment. You're going to have to go all electric. That's the newest thing. Because they claim that now that's more of a pollutant than your car is. And yet I say, well, if my car is such such a clean machine, how come I got to pay for a smog every two years? That's another scam. It's just one thing after another. What do you think that scam, that smog thing's all about? You know how much government makes up every single, beside your DMV fee, the sales tax you pay in your car, you have to register that thing every year, and then you have to go every other year and get it smogged. Who do you think gets the bulk of that money? That's exactly right. <clears throat> That's exactly right. You got that figured out. Oh, by the way, this I just get a kick out of this stuff. We paid taxpayers in all these national parks to put up signs explaining about global warming, which which is a fantasy. So at Glacier National Park, the sign said 
that the glaciers would all be melted down by 2020. But the fact is, when you go there, you know, it's not like not everybody can go up to the North Pole or whatever they call the, the, the global Arctic area where Al Gore says the shell up there is if that if that melts down, it's going to raise the tide and flood all these ocean properties that he and Obama and all of them bought up. Did you know that if this thing is going to they keep claiming it's going to melt down, but it, it, then it doesn't. So then they go and buy these twenty five million dollar properties over Martha's Vineyard or somewhere. Right. All of them. Think about that. Do, do you think have you ever tried to get a loan for a house or build a house or something like that? I have. Do you think bankers are going to loan you money on a piece of property that's unstable? It's going to get, it's going to flood easily. Like right now, insurance companies don't want to insure these, these houses up in the Sierra Nevada foothills. Why would they? When the government won't protect them for fire with uh, firefighting, they won't manage the forest. They're just going to have one Holocaust after another. So, so now we have Glacier National Park. We got these decade-old dire warning signs that says that, that the uh, the glacier is going to disappear. So then you, it's just a constant propaganda. So you just think, oh my God, that was so beautiful. And like, what can we do? Can we like save our plastic bags and never get one again or quit smoking cigarettes or, you know, what can we do? Can we, can we get rid of our car and ride a bicycle? Anyway, according to park spokeswoman, these people are so bound by political correctness. I feel sorry for them. The signs in the Montana park called the Great Glacier National Park were added more than a decade ago at taxpayers' expense to reflect climate change forecasts at the time by the U.S. Geological Survey. Do you know that back in the 70s they were predicting an ice age? And then they turned around and now they predict global warming. Do you think they – do you ever notice how weather people get stuff totally wrong? But they – every day they're predicting it, right? But does anybody ever get shot over that or fired? In the Old Testament, prophets would get shot if they said the wrong thing. <clears throat> so now when, in fact, some of these ice glaciers are actually growing, and then some that are melting, they now have discovered a volcano. Do you think a volcano, hot molten lava, Underneath the ice, do you think that would have an effect on melting in the ice as opposed to global warming? I think it probably would. Why don't you just take a hot frying pan and put it under your pillow at night when you lay down? It has an effect. According to park spokesman Gina Kurtzman, the signs in Montana Park were added more than a decade ago to reflect the climate change. The federal agency told the park back in 2017 that the glacier's imminent demise was no longer expected so quickly. They just thought, man, these, these things, we need to get these things melting if we're going to fulfill this prophecy we gave. But the park says they couldn't update their danger, Will Robinson warnings because of budget cutbacks. In other words, they didn't have the budget to go out and redo the signs. 
isn't this typical of government? They go out and spend this money, taxpayer money, to say, unless we do something, this beautiful park will be destroyed in so many years. Then when those years come by and it looks fine, it makes the government look stupid. Why? Because they are stupid. People are stupid, look stupid, because they are stupid. People look like they're liars in government because they are liars. They are deceptive. You think, wow, didn't they know this? Either they're the stupidest people on the planet running these governments, or they're liars. The park has reportedly replaced signs at its most popular lookout points, but is still waiting on money to update some of the others. If you, but the article says, but if you think this major flub up means the park's nixing their doomsday predictions, you know, it's just become fashionable to be doomsday. All like some politicians in 12 years, we, we will not survive in 12 years. Honestly, go look up the population bomb written in the 1970s by a Ph.D. from either UC Berkeley or Paul, what's his name, Paul, can't think of his last name right now, Paul Erland, can't think of his last name. Anyway, he wrote it with his wife, Paul and Ann something something, population bomb. They, they said it's too late. By the 80s, hundreds of thousands of people will die in famines, will run out of food, there's not enough food, da-da-da-da-da. Everything they said was false. But the media, just like with Harvey Milk, the media just kept singing, saying these people are the brightest people on the earth, these liberal, these, these Democrats. Oh, yeah. So they said, and so anyway, terrible, this national park. This is what they call the deep state, folks. In several decades they said now they're now they're restating it. It's kind of like the Jehovah Witness. Like they keep saying that Armageddon's coming, Jesus is coming, or something, something, and they keep changing the date. They say it's this date. Oh, it didn't come. No, it was give it two years more. No, 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 it's ten years. Oh, well, yeah, George thinks it's fifteen years out. So they just keep changing it. You can look it up in Encyclopedia or or Wikipedia or the Almanac. It tells the whole story of the Jehovah Witness. What a total joke. Anyway, it says in several decades, they, being the glaciers, will be mostly gone. They will grow so small that they will disappear. Just one night, we're going to, it'll just like look like a one chunk of ice out of your ice tray. Just a little chunk of ice laying over there. They will certainly be gone. They will certainly be gone. They, yeah, I know they didn't, we thought they were going to be gone by now, but they will, no question about it. We're not going to be here, but the, the glaciers will certainly be gone by the end of the century. Now, who's going to be here by the end of the century? Let's see, how many years in the century? we got another 80 years, right? So Dan Fager, we should say he's Faker. Dan Faker, in 2017 study, released, he's a Portland University guy. Yeah, we're going to put a lot in, in a lot in our stock in Dan Faker. Just keep changing those signs. Say, yeah, we are. We should. I, I wish the graffiti artists would go out there and put up some signs like these fakers. You know, they keep extending it every few years. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, we thought. Yeah, 
I'm sure by the end of the century. How why don't we put it out like why don't we put it out to like 2200? Right? Let's let's why go to the end of the let's put it out 200 years. Stupid people. All right, we'll be right back for our last segment. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. I was horrified by the church shooting in Texas just before New Year's. Even though the murderer inside the church building killed two others, he was stopped from killing when he was killed himself by a trained member of the church's security. Now, you can bet that more congregations are getting the idea that they should train at least one male churchgoer to shoot and stop an invading murderer. And despite this hard subject, we should all be very glad when a good guy with a gun takes down the bad guy with his gun. Because with the rise of atheism and immoral, unfair wrath against peaceful religion, no church can say it can't happen to us. See what you can do to protect your church at SaveCalifornia.com. Fighting the good fight for your values in California. Hi, fellow rebels. I'm Gardner Goldsmith for MRC TV. And here's the story. According to Danielle Miller of Fox 10 Phoenix, local code enforcers for Prescott Valley, Arizona, spotted residents Tawny Baselli threatening lives, freedom, and the property of others. Oh, wait a minute. No, she was actually just flying flags on her own property. But evidently, the city enforcers can't tell the difference between aggressive attacks on others and peaceful use of one's own property. Miller reports that in September, the code cops told Ms. Baselia that she had to take down her Trump flag because it was against city code. And that if she didn't, she'd face hundreds in fines. Connie Basilia says after talking with code enforcement, she was told the reasoning for the violation was you can only fly a political flag 60 days before a campaign and 30 days after. Also, you can't have any flag flying beneath the American flag. Isn't patriotism fantastic? Small governments get to employ it as an excuse to violate civil rights, rights that are supposed to be respected by people who claim to be American patriots. Explained Ms. Baselia. It was shocking that somebody would try to tell me what I can and cannot fly in my own yard. Amen to that, Miss Baselia. And ironically, Mayor Kel Paguda is actually on her side. She's demonstrating her First Amendment right, and she has every right to, and who are we to tell her no? And this is where this crazy situation offers us long-term lessons. See, as laudable as Mayor Paguda's statement appears, it's only partly right. See, he says Ms. Baselia has every right to fly her flag. Absolutely right. But his use of the vernacular shorthand First Amendment right has to remind us that the right to free speech and all rights 
precede the First Amendment and the Constitution. It's not created by the First Amendment. No, he was likely just using some sort of shorthand vernacular that everybody's familiar with. But his very use of this small difference opens up an even larger lesson about the First Amendment, and that's the fact that the First Amendment actually only prohibits Congress from infringing on speech. See, the First Amendment specifies that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. In fact, local governments had all kinds of speech laws on the books and states even sponsored religious schools in the United States until the late 1800s. Now, some claim that that the first clause of the 14th Amendment does what they call incorporating the Bill of Rights into state constitutions. But that is not the case. And even if it were the case, incorporating the First Amendment into state constitutions would bring the wording of the First Amendment into it, and still only Congress would be prohibited, not the states. But regardless of that, the fact is that most U.S. courts have adopted this incorporation doctrine, as it's called, so that if this were to come to the Supreme Court and Ms. Baselia had to push it all the way up there, the court would probably find in her favor. Well, the fact is, she says she's not going to take down her flags. She says she's proud of her president and the U.S. flag variant that she flies is a thin blue line flag honoring police officers. I'm not taking it down. I believe you know, too many men and women died fighting for our freedom of speech. Well, it's expected that in February the codes will be changed in this area, and thanks to the mayor and a number of other people, she won't have to worry anymore. But the situation brings to mind some very important final thoughts. For example, what if Ms. Baselia kept flying her flags and the government didn't change the code? What if she didn't pay the fines. And let's say in refusing to pay the fines, she was called to court. And if she refused to leave her home to go to the court to answer the government's demands? Well, indeed, police, those very men on the thin blue line for whom she flies the flag, would be sent to arrest her. Hey, I, I every once in a while mention about trauma intervention program. And, and in fact, I got a call from a lady from up in Colfax. Colfax is up in Nevada County, up in the mountains. I think she must have been about 80 years old. She read an article in the Territorial Dispatch up there and was interested in starting a TIP program. She said, I'm too old to start a TIP program, but I'd like to see it start up here. So we were talking about it. So we go out on 911 calls and help emergency responders work with the living, right, after they scoop up whatever problem there is, fire, car crash, drowning, whatever. So we go out and provide emotional and practical support along with firefighters and cops, 
paramedics, nurses, and docs. Anyway, once a year we train new people, and we usually do it start right after Valentine's Day. And so if you're interested in doing something like that, it's a volunteer opportunity, and you need to live in Yuba-Sutter counties, we could probably take you if you lived up in Gridley, Biggs area of Butte County. But if you want to get involved, it's pretty simple. We train you over a two-week period. It's about 35 in-class hours and then put you on some ride-alongs with law enforcement and fire and in an orientation at the hospital here in Marysville. And we mentor you some, and we prepare you to go out on these 911 calls. And so after you get trained, your responsibility is to uh, what you agree to is to take three 12-hour shifts a month. You help us pick those, and you then we call you to go out on these calls. Three 12-hour shifts, and then once a month, on the second Thursday night of the month, which happens to be today, we have a training meeting where we uh, continue to educate and keep getting better at what we do. That's That's the long and short of it. So if you're interested... In checking it out, the first night is an orientation on February 27th. <clears throat> then it goes 27th, 28th, 29th, March 1st, and then 3rd, the 3rd, 5th, 7th, and 8th of March. And uh, so any classes Monday through Friday would be at night, and any classes on the weekend would be during the day. But you can check the class dates and times out at, at uh, our website, yubasuttertip.org. YubaSutterTip.org, or you could just shoot me a a text at 530-713-1838. If you're interested, I could actually mail you and email you a uh, a schedule and what it's going to be like days and times if you're interested. And so the first night is an orientation. No commitment is requested. No money cost just to come to the orientation. We give an overview of the, of the program, you can ask questions, all that kind of stuff. So we the meetings are in Yuba City. So that's that. And um, we still are collecting some money. We're raising money for TIP as well. If you want to get 100% of the money to us, you could just send a check to Yuba Sutter. Excuse me, to uh, you could write it out to TIP, T-I-P, and then send it to TIP, P.O. Box 645, Marysville. 95901, P.O. Box 645, Marysville 95901. If you've gone paperless, you could go to GoFundMe.com backslash tip 2020. GoFundMe.com backslash tip 2020. Well, I saw uh, yesterday a great article, and I've just wondered, you know, when the remember the psychiatrist Muslim opened fire and killed and maimed all these people and was at Fort Hood. And uh, remember Obama called it workplace violence? Just un- un- do you do you remember those years under President Obama? Most incredible. It was almost like living a nightmare. Remember when Eric Holder said that they didn't plan on prosecuting any black people? I just thought <laughs> to say that if anybody else said that, like if a, if an Asian said that or a Mexican said that about we're we're not planning on prosecuting any Mexicans we're just going to we're just going to prosecute black people honestly the people they just got away with murder 
that Clinton and Obama got away with murder and got away with incredible, incredible dishonest. I, I believe when if they ever get down to the bottom of it, they will see that Obama was right in the middle of trying to overthrow the United States government. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So finally, they are off the, the head of the Marines, Lieutenant General. I, I never can get these ranks right because I never was in the military. Lieutenant General George Smith, Deputy Commandant for Plans, Policies, and Operations, announced that the Marines were changing their policy following December shootings at Naval Air Station Pensacola and at Pearl Harbor Naval Shipyard in Hawaii, which left five people dead. Now, what do you think they're changing? And and why wait so long, right? Why wait so long? You're telling me that our military cannot carry weapons on their own basis. So finally, they're going to let them carry weapons, right? These tragic events, how many tragic events do we have to go to, like, just have a normal person make a good call? These tragic events prompted Headquarters Marine Corps to accelerate existing efforts to develop concealed carry policies. Captain Joseph Butterfield said that approximately 3,200 people will be eligible to carry their personal firearms under the new policy. Before the change, only Marine Corps law enforcement officials were allowed to carry service weapons while performing on-duty tasks. That's what we have out here at Beale Air Force Base. Stones through from where I'm talking right now. On December 6, Mohammed Saeed Al-Shamrani, a Saudi Air Force second lieutenant who was training at Naval Air Station Pensacola, opened fire at the Naval at the base before he was shot and killed by sheriff's deputies, of all people. Thank you, Jesus, for the sheriff's department. The shooting happened just days after the Navy sailor Gabriel Romero shot two civilians before killing himself at Pearl Harbor Harbor Naval Shipyard in Hawaii. U.S. officials confirmed they were investigating a string of anti-American tweets made by the gunman before he began shooting. You know, it's just like, how long, how long, how long, how long, how long are we going to have to wait to make normal decisions, logical, normal decisions? Now, I'm going to breeze through this article and finish up today by Walter Williams, one of my favorite guys, such a bright guy and a straight shooter, He happens to be black. I think he was raised in Harlem. I always get him and Tom Soul confused who was raised in Harlem and somebody else was raised Philadelphia or something. Anyway, it doesn't make any difference. Walter Williams, both of them are economists. Both of them are brilliant. So he's, he's, he wrote an article called The New Racism yesterday, came out yesterday. The New Racism. The other day I was in teaching a class in the jail and the gal was giving me a hard time. She said, Lou, you're a racist. And I didn't even say anything racist. It's just like she didn't like what I said about drugs or something. Anyway, she, we were giving each other a hard time. and uh, But we use that term now so loosely, it doesn't even have any meaning. 
Williams says a voter may dislike a black homosexual or female candidate, but it's not likely that he will openly admit it. However, diversity, diversity crazed leftist progressive Democrats have openly condemned the physical characteristics of some of the 2020 president candidates. Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders are leading the polls despite the fact that they have been condemned as old white men. Pete Buttigieg is homosexual, something that pleases diversity crazies. He's also white, young, and religious. With Kamala Harris' departure from the race, the Democrat field has lost one of its persons of color. Another, Cory Booker, stands at 2% in the polls. His days are numbered. That means the only Democrat candidates polling high are those condemned as old white people, two men, one woman, Elizabeth Warren. Latosha, or Latasha Brown, the co-founder of Black Voters Matter, said she was initially eager for Joe Biden to enter the race, but now has second thoughts. Brown said, I'm over, I'm over white men running the country. I don't know if him getting in, getting in changes the field. He has some recognition, but his strength is also his weakness. Former president candidate Howard Dean lamented, if we have two old white guys at the top of this ticket, we will lose. The newest entry in the presidential sweepstakes, Michael Bloomberg, had to apologize for what some see as a diversity and sensitivity, sensitivity by name, namely, uh, what he did was he called fellow presidential candidate Cory Booker a well, well-spoken. So you can't do that if you're a white guy and, and you cannot give a compliment of a black person as well-spoken because – that assumes that some black people actually aren't well-spoken, even though some of them are stupid. Just like some white people are stupid. And some Mexicans are stupid, right? But you can't say that Corey is well-spoken or you're a racist. Michael Moore gave us his racist warning. Two-thirds of all white guys, he said, voted for Trump. That means anytime you see three white guys walking at you, down the street toward you, two of them voted for Trump. You need to move over to the other sidewalk because these are not good people that are walking toward you. You should be afraid of them. Williams says this is a new racism, much of it learned and taught at our nation's colleges. George Orwell said some ideas are so stupid that only intellectuals believe them. My, if I haven't thought that once, I've thought that a hundred times. In fact, I told somebody the other day that there's a spirit. of. I was talking to a private investigator I used to work for. He called me up, saw me driving down the street, couldn't get my attention. So he just dialed me up. And and so I said, Barry, there's a spirit of stupid on the entire country. He said, I've never heard anybody say that before. I said, well, I'm saying it. And there is one. So now Walter's saying the spirit, the stupid ideas about inclusion and diversity originate with academics on college campuses. If their ideas didn't infect the rest of society, they might be a source of entertainment. But these cancerous ideas have infected society. Statements such as, I'm over white men running the country. And if we ever have two old white guys at the top of this ticket, we will lose are examples of this cancer. Last year, Philip Salzman wrote, The War Against White People in Mining the Campus. 
He declared, anti-white hate is now mainstream American culture, not just by racial extremists such as Black Lives Matter, for whom statements such as All Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter are racist. Our highest leaders sing the same song. Isn't that sad? You can't say Blue Lives Matter. That's racist. Is that crazy? That's stupid. It's like George Orwell says. I like this. Some ideas are so stupid, they are only intellectuals believe them. When Barack Obama was campaigning for the presidency in 2008, he said of the working class white voters, quote, they get bitter, they cling to guns or religion or antipathy to people who aren't like them or anti-immigrant sentiment or anti-trade sentiment as a way to explain their frustrations. During the 2016 president campaign, candidate Clinton, Hillary Clinton, claimed that half of Donald Trump supporters were a basket of deplorables who were racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. Do you think Clinton was talking about Trump's black, Asian, and Hispanic voters? Nope. She was talking about millions of Trump's white supporters. Then there's Sarah Jong, J-E-O-N-G, a member of the New York Times editorial board and graduate of the University of California, Berserkley, and Harvard Law School. She expressed publicly many anti-white opinions. Among them are, the world could get by just fine with zero white people. Dumb effing white people. People marking up the internet with their opinions like dogs pissing on fire hydrants. It's it's a kind of sick how much joy I get out of being cruel to old white men. I guarantee you that the New York Times would have fired any employee making similar statements about black, Hispanic, or homosexual folks, said Williams. The bottom line is that the new racism born in academia is just as ugly as old racism. I don't know who this Sarah. I'm at to look old Sarah up, see if she's white. Some white guy should just slap the living daylights out of her and maybe tone her down a bit. Anyway, uh, this is unbelievable. You know that was it um, AB five? That's it. Assembly Bill five. That is saying that if that's putting a kink in the gig economy. You know, like a gig, like I got a gig. Like you get a little side job and you, maybe you wash windows. Uh, like some of my firefighter buddies would take side jobs. They do landscape maintenance. They'd wash windows. You know, they were off 30, 20 days a month. So it gave them something to do and make a little extra money. Particularly back in the days when they didn't make that much money back 30 years ago. So anyway, um, there's all kinds of jobs out there. You don't actually become an employee, but you just do a service for, for a business, like going and wash the windows every few weeks, something like that, or sp- spray off the front, power wash the, the concrete, or tons of cool ideas, right? Spray down big trucks, clean big trucks. You don't really, you're not employed, you're just a private contractor. Well, now this AB5 is putting the kibosh on that. In fact, these independent truckers are now being forced to be employed by someone. So there's a there's a, a business called Wanalo, W-O-N-O-L-O. 
Wanalo, fast-growing Wanalo. It helps connect thousands of businesses with tens of thousands of contract workers. They plan to halt its gig worker job postings for California on March 31. So this this national organization, I think it was started here. It says, um, given the limitations of AB5, we anticipate that we may not be able to f- allow businesses to post jobs in California as of March 31, 2020. This means you will significantly see fewer jobs on one low in California. So if you want to look it up, see what it's all about. One low, one O L O. We have not made this decision lightly, but have done it. So in order to protect businesses from an unnecessary risks associated with the new legislation, in other words, where the government can come in and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These people like for instance, writers, if you're an independent writer, and you just submit articles to a newspaper, and then they may or may not purchase the article from you, or maybe that you're a syndicated columnist. Now you have to be employed of the newspaper, right when they're trying to fire everybody. Rachel Kim, one of those vice president of marketing, confirmed the email clarified that a decision was made to ban all job po- postings for work in California. We don't want to be in a position of being an AB5 policeman, she said, noting the company does not have the time or bandwidth to review thousands upon thousands of job listings to see if the work is for a contract person or permanent person. So now those thousands upon thousands of job listings on the Wanalo site are gone for Californians. Isn't that something? It's just sad to me. It's just sad to me how this this is all shaken down and but it doesn't seem like any anybody's stopping it. The only way it's gonna stop is you're gonna to have to replace the people making these decisions. And then you gotta you think that the Fed's got a deep state? You think there isn't a deep state here in California? Oh baby. When you walk around downtown Marysville, most everybody that's eating out for lunch is all state workers. All state workers. In fact if you read the article I think we're gonna post it uh Late later in the week, there's an article where I talk about Caltrans and the waste in Caltrans. It is just like when I see the people walk around this building out of B Street here. It's like a palace over here, five story building. It's like every it's a hundred thousand dollar bill, hundred fifty thousand dollar bill walking around with their little tags around their neck, uh, drinking their lattes, you know, taking their little break, and they have enough break to walk blocks. Like they must have 20, 30 minute breaks. Unbelievable. Well, we're just going to finish this up for today and uh, we'll be back Lord willing in a week and uh, do something good for somebody out there and pay attention. If you meet a stranger that may be an angel and you don't even know it. So we'll uh, catch you later and uh, keep the faith. All right. See you later. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Someone to love, someone to love, sweetheart of me.
Sugar to kiss. 